to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is X-Men. Pop in your DVD or Blu-ray. Press play, press pause when the 20th Century Fox logo fades to black. If the first frame you perceive all black, press pause. In a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. Which point I'll press play. You'll press play and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, with four friends in your head. And those friends this week are myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Dorkman Reclining Scott. Hi. And Eddie the Eddie Doty. I've been told to bring the pain. Oh, he's going to bring the pain. You know why you're going to bring the pain, though? Uh, because I know a thing or two about these X-Men. You're, you're our, 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 our comic enthusiast in good standing here. Got also, it. I don't really know much about this movie. I think I've seen it twice. Okay. The first time I saw it um, on DVD a million years ago uh, when Rift Tracks did a thing for it. And then the last time I saw it was at a pop-up store for my friend Alex's clothing and, and art thing, Zero Friends. Uh, and they did movie nights there. And we watched X-Men one night. And uh, David, David Hayter came by and uh, did a little Q&A afterwards. He, he was one of the writers on this movie. Uh, I think he's writer. the credited writer. Yeah. Right. And uh, he also did Watchmen, and he's also the voice of Solid Snake. Yep. Because yep. why not? Which, you know, Hollywood, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and um, it was cool to see him, and uh, he seemed like a fun guy. And I, I have nothing against this movie. I think I even he liked some, X2. He had some fun anecdotes. Well, X2, I think, is is better. I hope you remember the I hope you remember the anecdotes. You were there, right? Yeah, I, I remember some of them. Yeah. I don't remember uh, this. Why wasn't I there? I don't know. I did, I, you invited I, me I, to I, it, but I, I, invi- I posted on Facebook about it all the yeah. time. You yeah. just don't read my Facebook posts. And I saw the photos, and I was—I remember being jealous. Yeah. yeah, and we also did a bunch. We did other cool ones. We did uh, Dead Alive and other fun. It was just that kind of thing. It was. I fun. remember the Ghostbusters. One. And then I co-opted. Oh, did you go to that one? Yeah, I remember that one. And uh, and then I co-opted the idea of doing movie nights and stole the idea and did parties for a little while there. It was fun. Are you not doing them anymore? We'll do them again in, in the future, but I think we're done for the year. Willy Wonka kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Willy Wonka got too crazy. Oh shit! Okay. Um, well, just guys, we we put a lot of work into Willy Wonka. Um, X Men. <laughs> and then you went what? <laughs> exactly. And then I went. What am I doing? Uh, X Men. Uh, Brian, <laughs> okay. I don't really have an opinion about it. I'm not a big comics guy, and I haven't seen X Men recently enough. I'm glad this movie brought Hugh Jackman to the world stage in a way that he hadn't been before, because I think Hugh Jackman is fantastic, and I love the fact that, despite the fact that you know him as Wolverine, America, he's this crazy ass song and dance man from <laughs> the theater. Like, he, yeah, but, but he hosts the Tonys and shit. It's like, all right, cool. But, but in the comics, Wolverine is supposed to be short, and in real life, Peter, uh, Hugh dude, Jackman, you have no idea how often I. I heard that from friends of mine. <laughs> it's it, it's actually true. I mean, I'm not going to be that guy, but uh, I've always been a huge X Men fan, and I'm not a huge. I'm not certainly not a comic guy on the level that Eddie is. But in terms of comics, it's not a bad thing. No, certainly <laughs> no, no. Well, you got you got comics. I got Star. Everybody has their thing. thing yeah. Everybody has their their gold medalist yeah. nerd area. Sure. Uh, but in terms of comics, X Men was always was always my bag. So they were all. I was. I remember growing up on the uh, the cartoon. Uh, primarily as a kid yeah. I never Fox really cartoons. I never got into the original comics as we were talking about before the recording because the trying to follow the continuity of a story like that is just horrendous but when the ultimate line started in 2003 I One. think it was I think I started reading in like 2003 or okay. 4 though um well, I, I, I was reading those for a while. What are we talking right. about? The Ultimate Line. Okay, so... <laughs> so I don't know about the, the X-Men comics started, uh, as most comics did, in like the 60s and, and that era, and they've been going for 40 years or whatever. And in the early 2000s, Marvel had the great idea of like, you know what? People aren't reading because the continuity, there's 40 years of fucking continuity to deal mm-hmm. with. If we do a great big reboot, then we can get new people on board. 
and it worked because I was one of those people. Uh, so they restarted a bunch. They restarted the Avengers, the X Men, Spider Man. Fantastic Four for a fat lot of good that did them. And DC yeah. just did that with everything. And DC, and DC did the same thing even and more And now recently. Marvel's doing that with everything in their own line. Yeah. But that's all over. So there. anyway. Yeah. Did you like the movie? I, yeah. I do like the movie. I like... <laughs> BTW. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's a fair point. I do like the movie. I I think it's it's is a great example of taking these kind of absurd premises. It does exactly what Spider-Man needed to do and didn't in terms of here's this kind of ridiculous premise and aesthetics of this thing and grounding it as best they could. And I think it does that very well. Uh, and I quibble with a little bit of the plots, which I guess we'll deal with, but overall I think it's an excellent movie. Do you like Picard? It's, it's perfect. I mean, nobody else could have done that. Nobody else, nobody else could play, uh, professor X and, uh, Stewart's up against McKellen is fantastic. Yeah. Dorkman. Um, I'm. I wasn't really. Are you in the Dorkmen? I wasn't really too <laughs> familiar with uh, X Men. I watched a few episodes of the the animated show, um, you know, growing up, but I I didn't follow that um, very well. So you know, I was familiar with the idea of the X Men and, and Wolverine and Cyclops, and I kind of got the gist of what all their powers were and stuff like that. But I, I could hardly claim to really be steeped in the mythology. What does Cyclops do? He Laser shoots beams. beams. What does Nightcrawler do? Bamf. <laughs> what does Professor X do? Think. What does? Uh, no, but um, those were the so, only ones so, I could think of. Yeah. So in this uh, Toad. Uh, toads. He jumps around <laughs> and stuff. The same thing as every other Toad. <laughs> yeah, the same thing as everything else. Um, sorry. Uh, but well, I liked it. I, you know, looking back, it's. It's interesting how far these kinds of movies have come in the last decade and change. Um, because, in a way, I think this was one of the first... This was the first one that worked. This was one of the first superhero movies after Batman and Robin tried its level best to murder the genre. <laughs> um, and uh, this, was, this was the first one that kind of... I mean, I mean Batman Begins really took it there. But this is the first one that went, how about we do the kind of gritty realistic trying to treat right. this like it's the real Seriously. world yeah how, um, why, how do we translate the this base source material into something that will work in this different medium yeah instead yeah. of instead of like with the with the batman movies even burton you know if if uh, you're a, a fan of the way kind of he did it um it's still very stylized it's still a cartoon yeah. it's still a comic book up on screen yeah burton, and i don't know about the stylized thing uh, and yeah. X Men. Do you remember is, the Batman Returns? Commentary? No, he's doing the thing. Um, and X X Men is the first one that goes. No, this is the world the way it looks yeah. with us, and it these people just happen to have powers within that world, and then kind of acting within that. So, like you said, I think I have some. There's, there's. I could quibble with kind of the strength of the plot. I don't yeah. think it's a super strong like you know plot that they're you know it's it's not a good villain plot it's, no it's, it's not yeah. it's on kind of the that, yeah, same I think level that's a good a good way to summarize it. Yeah. it it's kind of on the same level as the first superman where he's like i'm buying up land you know and that's <laughs> like his thing and he's gonna you know drown a bunch of people but you know it's it's still it's still to to kind of play the real estate market and that's almost what magneto's plan feels like it's like he's, it doesn't really mm, but 
I get what he's, he's like going a hedge for. fund manager for superpowers. Yeah, exactly. It's, just... it's weird, <laughs> but I so I think I think the like X two had a better villain plan, which is part of what makes it a I I think a more successful movie. Oh, yeah. But yeah. um, you know, it's still for for its time, considering that it kind of had to reinvent an entire genre and and really come out of the gate. I think it it does a fine job with that, and it's it's you know going to be fun to look at. Eddie, the day before X Men came out. Where did comics in movies stand? <laughs> uh, at a really interesting time because uh, two years, God, I'm good at this. Two years prior to this was Blade, and Blade was actually the first one. Okay, Blade. Maybe Blade was it's... like the the first. Well, but he, but you weren't wrong though because bl- what Blade was that was a smart choice because Blade is very much a genre thing. So the the thinking was, irrespective of its comic book origin, we're going to get a vampire genre film out of it that will make. X amount of dollars when you calculate the genre, you know, theory to it. Once they the saw vampire that, market. once they saw what, once they saw what, you know, Wesley Snipes and, and Ian Norrington were able to do with Blade, that that was when the thinking was like, okay, we can actually make some money. Keep in mind, 1998, Marvel was bankrupt. Marvel, Marvel had filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Comics were not in a good place. The the bubble had burst in the early 90s. Uh, you know, the days of Todd McFarlane making five grand a page were over by a long shot. Comic stores were shuttering down left and right it was a it was not easy to be a comic book fan in 1998 and so a lot was riding on this not just for movies but for comic book fans in general like because we really like there for a minute there were like if marvel goes bankrupt and they have to sell all their ip warner brothers not going to buy up the rights and like we're just going to lose these characters forever so this was a pretty significant deal at the time and much was right on the success of it and we we felt like good vibes going into it because they had hired brian singer who was a very serious director and well respected they had good actors i mean if you look back at wizard magazine in 1991 they had like a fantasy casting call for various comic books every single time x were were mentioned patrick stewart's professor xavier done like yeah and that so who that else was, is there there's nobody else. there really no one else is and there was some wacky bullshit it seems fanboy. like a failure of imagination to get past the bald thing <laughs> right but it's, i mean there's it's some not, wacky though. bullshit it's not just that there's some wacky bullshit fantasy nerd boy casting in there glenn danzig is wolverine who the fuck cares like i mean so the, there was a lot of that and they they were doing everything right so we're like okay this the, it was kind of like <laughs> it was kind of like pre just before the days of the election, two thousand eight, it's like okay, all the data is there. Obama's going to win this, right? Like that's it's it, we're, we're we're. But if he doesn't, if that's he the doesn't, end of that's everything. That's the end of the, yeah. the world is over. But like <laughs> at least, yeah, that was the mentality sort of going into it. It's like this should work. We hope it does. The question is, will the average it's person like an Apollo mission? Yeah, well, like the average, will the average person turn out? And then, of course, the opening weekend was something ridiculous. And I mean, this say what you want. There is a visible line of demarcation before and after this movie of the landscape of movies, yes. not just comic book movies, but mm-hmm. movies prior. To, like it is, I, I, I shit you not, it is as significant in in some respects as like Star Wars was. Like as as in in some ways the way it's it's, or Jaws, changed the or last or Jaws, yeah, yeah. And the idea of like okay, blockbusters have been redefined, you know, because at that point. Pandora's box opened and all these comic books started just being yeah. shuffled oh, out. Yeah, like, yeah. All the comics studios were like, okay, this this one, yeah. that one. Darkhawk, fuck it, let's do it. To you a know, certain like, extent, it even kind of kicked Daredevil. off the, the, ah. sort of the, the yeah. era of the tentpole and how yeah. entire studio uh, strategies were nothing is, but, yeah. because, all right, let's put all our eggs in this one. This because, is certainly part of the process of that shift that we've talked about before of 
fewer movies and spreading the eggs out over mm-hmm. multiple baskets and concentrating fewer movies and c- pinning more and more hopes on a much smaller selection of films. Well, I mean, and the thing is, too, is like prior to this, when you would be like, okay, well, we want to make a movie, and if it does really well, then, okay, we potentially have a franchise, so we got to think up ideas. For, no, if a comic book movie does good, and the, the, the model is set, just do the origin story, apparently. A lot of yeah. a lot of movies a lot of movies take that approach. Do the origin story first. If it connects and it lands, take your pick of what you want to be movies two, three, four, five, and six, and seven. Because there's a thousand stories already. Yeah, and with X Men especially, because the, the 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 continuity is so goddamn convoluted. X Men two is about nine different stories that they were able to cram in there, and three is about forty. And uh, X Men First Class did something original because they told an original story that really is not rooted in any continuity and that and much to its credit i say but this yeah. movie I i'm mean, looking forward to getting to x-men first class yeah That'll be a good this one. this movie oh shit did we just randomly oh. decide to start a franchise it's fine uh, it's fine because all, all of them four? all of them are all worth, worth talking yeah about. three oh, okay. is very much worth talking about oh, in the yeah. whole yeah. debacle that was in this. but like i said you cannot underestimate you cannot underestimate nor undervalue the importance of x-men was at that particular time and did you like this movie <laughs> Three, two, one, unpause. That would have been great. Like, do you, and do you like the movie? No, no nah, piece really shit. It. Didn't work. Hate it. So I kind of missed the boat on the whole X Men thing, but also comics. Uh, I, I to this day, I've still never really been able to get into a comic book. Um, I've tried a few times. I was able to read most of Watchmen after seeing Watchmen because it connected a little bit better. Uh, but I'm just really not a comics guy, and I've tried repeatedly, and it just never really works for me. I think the closest I've ever gotten. Uh, was probably some uh, Jonan Vasquez stuff, but his stuff tends to be more. Well, I mean, Calvin and Hobbes, I'm totally into, but that's comic strips. That's yeah, not yeah, stories. It's a different beast entirely. Um, but Jonan's stuff tends to be closer to Calvin and Hobbes than to big arcing stories like this, or at least the ones that I got into. Oh yeah, no, his stuff is much more scatological and much more isolated. Well, and scatological, not scatological, but like it's much more, <laughs> it's more self-contained and it's much right. shorter. And, I was like, yeah. you said that like it was a compliment. That's kind of a mean thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, no, but I mean, like it's uh, more squee is definitely yeah. Yeah. Well, well, squee and Johnny. I completely and... forgot about this opening. This well, is one of the best openings I would I would yeah. say of any film. Well, ever. and this and this kind of like this lets you know right away like comic book what what yeah, like, yeah. I mean it, we're not this, fucking around. Yeah. This is Auschwitz, a great th- well. This is a great way to just ground the whole concepts in really stark reality yeah. from frame one. Well, and and to you know Kurt, Jack Kirby and Sam Lee's credit, like this is how they envision the character. I mean, this is this is so important to who this character is. Uh, you can't separate the two, and you you have to introduce it. Can I ask a really dumb question right sure. now? Sure. Sell me on Stanley. Stanley, what Excelsior? Stan, what Stanley did versus what a lot of do the did, voice. Did that no, do what Stanley did ver, versus like what a lot of comic book writers at the time were doing. That, that's the whole thing is that if you want to break it down in, in broad strokes, DC versus Marvel. DC takes gods and puts them down in comic book form. Like these are people with godlike abilities. Wasn't Batman a DC character? Yeah, by and large, obviously. Oh, but okay. like, gotcha. But even so, like the perception of Batman is one of is very. And but that's the thing. Like Bob King tr- created that like long before the others, but. The point is, is that with with Marvel, it's it's about elevating the ordinary. It's about taking ordinary people and making something about them extraordinary, but they've still got ordinary people problems. So whether it's Spider-Man, who's just a high school nerd who can't get the girl but can save the day, or whether it's the X-Men who are super who are super powered and, and godlike, but 
they are facing are essentially facing racial prejudice. racial discrimination yeah. and can't you know and have to hide who they are uh it, it's very much real world problems that are being attacked like the punisher is you know the vietnam vet who comes home and finds nothing for him like that's there these are real world things that are being leveraged and you just add a layer of spandex on top and it was stan lee who came in and said let's do stories about real people with stanley and jack kirby you can't you can't sort of you can't take out jack kirby from the equation in a lot of these well I, when, I, I, when I, I say stuntman stints I, I there's modern like weird internet adoration for stan lee well the fact that the guy is just still alive and adorable like it's that helps i mean See, he seems that, like kind of a dick in the interviews i've seen he's a, a nice a, dick he's a bit of a dick but he the thing is is that he's so passionate and so excitable and so he's he's as as excited about these characters as the day he was he, when he drew them, and he's got that young childlike sense of wonder. And yeah, he's he can be a bit persnippity. Like when I, I saw him at the uh, the Comic Con premiere, the Comic Con documentary premiere, and he's like, "Hey everybody, glad you're all here. Um, I've seen this already, so I'm gonna leave. But I want you to just enjoy it because I think Morgan did a great job. Like, I mean, that's just him, and you can't you can't sure. hit on him for that. Okay, I like that. But yeah, like you were saying, this opening, I can very clearly. It, it's it's interesting because even watching it now and they they actually uh, either used footage it. for this or recreated it yeah. for for uh, first class. But uh, just just watching it right here, I I can remember being in the theater and going, "Oh, this movie's fucking for real. This movie not fucking around. This is not gonna well, mess around." Not only that, but it also sets up some ex- exposition. So it doesn't like because later on they say it usually the powers usually manifest in early adolescence under periods of deep stress or deep yeah. you yeah. know whatever and so it's drawing a kind of a parallel to this scene when we see rogue's powers emanate um but yeah it it uh it, it gets a lot done and sort of conveys like so you're, you're kind of ahead of the curve when gene gray finally says those very words yeah. you know you've seen it happen twice by that point and they very wisely i mean they had other scenes um they may even have put them back because there was a like extended cut. They called it X Men One Point Five before yeah. they actually like started doing extended cut type right. of things a lot. Um, and I think there may have they may have had the scene where Cyclops first manifests. And, yes, and a yeah, couple yeah, of yeah, other yeah. scenes. Oh, like they, that. they were in the script. Those. Yeah, I knew they were in the script. I didn't know they actually shot them. I him. think they at least shot Cyclops, but I think yeah, there were. Uh, he's more. at a high school dance and he goes in the bathroom yeah, and like his yeah. eyes start going crazy. There were that. there were a couple more which they wisely cut. It's like isn't like this he really smokes weed and then like maybe I think in the script he, he, he smokes weed and then he goes back. Oh God, I got a headache and then lasers. Drugs but are so bad. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But it's, I mean, it's good because really the two, the two really important mutants in this story ultimately are Magneto and Rogue. And yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So they're the ones who, who Rogue's are a keystone. Kind of, Rogue's yeah. a keystone character here. Now it's interesting. Rogue in Rogue in the comic books was originally a villain under the employ of Magneto, and and she's like an adult when we first meet her. So, but what's interesting here, they ca- po- they swap her in basically character function wise for for Jubilee. Well, Kitty Pride, you could say as and well. And Kitty Pride, okay. Pri- in the cartoon series, Jubilee is kind Jubilee, of our introduction yeah. to Jubilee. The basically, X-Men. takes the place in the comics. Jubilee takes the place of Kitty Pride when Kitty Pride grows up. Yeah, you know, because when she leaves and she's like, "Screw you, Professor X!" Like Jubilee, that was a whole period when the X Men were in Australia. It was oh, it's a whole goddamn mess. <laughs> but and and thankfully, that's what Brian does. Is he doesn't he's not too beholden to the continuity. He basically says, "What characters work? What story am I trying to tell? Mm-hmm. These characters work for those purpose." 
work backwards from that. I have much less time than the comics did. I've got so I'm boiling it down to its essence. Rogue's powers, by the way, in the books are never that graphic. Like he goes more into like a the black veiny the seizure thing. Like and in the comics, she touches dude, he passes out, she gets her powers. That's it. Yeah. This it's like it'll kill you if you if she hangs on too long. Yeah. For the better, I think. I think they try to retcon that. It's it's more visual. It's showing, not telling. Exactly. Well, and it also it also gives a sense of. It gives a, that that's it's a, it's inventing the kryptonite almost yeah. in a sense because it's like well if she touches you and you pass out and she gets your powers okay that maybe that sucks for you but that's not that bad you'll it's wake like, up after a while yeah you'll wake up and you'll yeah. be fine where it's gotta in this it's clear it's like well why doesn't she just do that all the time it's like because right. she will murder someone if she's not careful and what's great here is we get this nice little kitty pride drop right in the beginning. Yep. Because and never mentions the name, not a character, and it's like, but people who know the continuity, people who know the the world, they go, oh, that's Kitty Pride, and you'll see her and a little bit later, if in like a half beat, yeah, like, yeah. You see her a character walk through. Well, is, isn't that? I thought that was X two when they. Invade. No, it's it's in this one is when this when one? uh when um it's when it's when uh Rogue comes to the school, Rogue or Wolverine. Comes I think it's oh, Wolverine. you're right, you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah he the, sees them. Yeah. He's like, what the hey? In uh, Professor X's office, mm-hmm. right. And we see a little bit of Fresh Dark here. And now, there was a little bit of complaining initially that Ian McKellen was possibly too old to play Magneto. uh, Or at least the body type wasn't right. The age was right because he had to be a Holocaust survivor. But the body, like, Magneto, yeah, Magneto in the books has always been very virile. Yeah, Yeah. he's very, he's like something about the magnetic control, make keep, whatever. Uh, Like, kept him younger. But, okay, everybody in a comic book has insane physiques. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, Professor X the Cripple has this insane physique. He's ripped, yo. This is is probably my favorite scene in the entire series. Yeah, they're just, this this, uh, back and forth. And it's, it's great, as we talked about before, when the villain has a point, and it's, you know, He's not wrong. He's not yeah, wrong he's in not this wrong scene at all. And what's what's great about that, and that that helps in, especially in X Men too, but just on the comic in general, the the fluidity of the sides. Like people will cross over from Magneto's side to X Men to you know the X Men side, and even in the books, like Magneto led the X Men for a time. Like yeah. Magneto from time to time will be okay with everybody and him and professor x get along but just like in pro wrestling someone turns heel and then you know and then it gets bad but the the they vacillate a little bit to which side they're on but their point of view is still ultimately the same yeah which is it which is which is necessary it's a you know in that grand old debate over do the ends justify the means it's a question. They both agree on the ends. It's yeah. a question of means. Well, it's, well, I mean, they, no. It's, I mean, the 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 whole point of view, and the, and Stan Lee was kind of vocal about this. It's the difference between um, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Malcolm yeah. X. Oh, okay. Because it's like because what did they want? Malcolm, uh, Martin Luther King wanted integration. He wanted equality. Whereas Malcolm X is like, yeah, I want equality, but I, we want our own place. Like we don't want to integrate. We right. want to be equal and powerful on our own and in the books there's this island of genosha which is all mutants and magneto comes to lead it and it's like its own separate mutant nation so it's it's the the what they want is the same they want their people to be equal how they get there is and in what way that's expressed is is where it's different the uh the outfit here is a homage to rogue's early outfits she did wear a cloak a green cloak there's nice little touches all the way throughout um What's interesting with this is that the black spandex or the black leather motorcycle outfits that the team wears later in the movie, that got that was backwards compatible. Like that influenced the comic books. Mm, Grant yeah. Morrison's run on X Men in two thousand one. Everybody switched their outfits 
to these black leather things. And yeah. it's funny because I know that there was an outcry about that oh, when, yeah. when the fans oh, yeah. first saw images from the movie. They're like, what the fuck? They fucked up all the you know outfits. And they we're we're not going to get the and, yellow spandex? Well, B- BDSM right. and blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, then there's But then there was also the comic book fans who were like, dude, deal with it for this movie. Let's get the movie successful. <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll quabble about spandex. What's interesting enough, the X-Men went back to a more traditional superhero outfit when Joss Reedon wrote it. Mm. When Astonishing came back, Cyclops makes the point of, we're wearing all this black leather, we're scaring people. We, <laughs> we can't just be mutants, we have to be heroes, and we have to dress as such. Oh, and, and is that how they just And that's how they go back? Yeah, they have this huge discussion about it. And Wolverine's like, do we, he's like, let me guess, Spandex is coming back? And he's like, he's like, we gotta look the part. And then it's quiet for a second, Beast is like, am I the only one really excited about the outfits? Like, <laughs> if you ask me and i don't know anything but as someone who represents the rest of the country who doesn't know anything about this stuff i don't think this movie works if wolverine is wearing bright yellow ass spandex no no it doesn't doesn't. and there's subtle hints i I don't think anyone goes to see it no there's subtle hints to his outfit in the outfit he wears there's some sewn in patterns that are and there's some like a little bit they all all have the the highlight that goes to their yeah the the corresponding color and like the the side ribbing that wolverine has like the claw marks like those are on there kind of subtly um, nice little sound design point. Every time Wolverine hey, punches him, you get a ding of metal. It's Walter yeah. North. Or it's a, not, uh, fucking Peter North. It's a, and this is a great way to introduce Wolverine because, uh, you know, the plausibility of the world. If you had his powers, totally. This yeah. is what you'd be. You had his powers, his temper, no memory. Why not? Yeah. In the chat, uh, Tommy Taylor's saying that he's not actually feeling Ian McKellen as Magneto. And uh, Tisto's throwing out maybe Gambon or Ian Holm. Ian Holm is Magneto? No, no, no. no. Physically, you can't pull that off. Yeah. Um, Michael you, Gambon, well, I could see. Do you Michael like Gambon? Gambon I like McKellen? Gambon's all right. I like, I like McKellen, McKellen as Magneto. He works for me. Just okay, the, you just can the... only keep Gandalf or Magneto. Gandalf. There Gandalf, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm going to yeah, say Magneto. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Because I think Magneto... I think Magneto needs a very specific British kind of sophistication. Magneto's and, German. We're... We're I just, know, but he's running out of old, I'm not, I'm not saying Ma- British actors. I'm not saying Magneto is British, but I'm saying the character needs that <coughs> oh, kind of about, very like erudite sophistication, right? And no, I think Gandalf is a little bit broader of a if, character. If we were maybe if we were gonna if we were going to uh, do it again, and I'm by the way, I'm I'm very happy with uh, Michael Fassbender as Mag- the oh, younger Magneto. Yeah, I think I uh, thought yeah. it was absolutely. I thought it was tremendous. But uh, does he do a McKellen impression? No, no, he no. does his own thing. He deliberately doesn't. He's much more feral, uh, I'd say. He's, yeah. much, he's got much more of an anger, and part of that movie is him learning to control his anger. Yeah. So he makes a stark contrast. It's similar to like what Daniel Craig does in the first his first Bond movie. Yeah. His I think bo- Stark is Marvel. Hey, zinger. So is this. <laughs> so oh, there. Damn. Mr. Great Clever. effect. Yeah. Great effect. Yeah. Wow. I think cool. that one was actually a, a hand, like a prosthetic. That was the moment a, a for me. Hand. That was the moment for me when, it, yeah, it was. When I saw that, and I'm like, they got it right. Like, they've, like, I talked about it in 300. Like, there's that moment where you're like, yeah. Or no, I was watching where I said, like, once you cry, once you see that moment happen, you're like, I'm in okay hands. Yeah. Like, I, you know. I, lo- I also like, because, because, again, it was a bit of a, uh, uh, a to do that uh, the blades come from between his knuckles as, as opposed, opposed to the back, yeah. back of his hand, but yeah. I think that was definitely the right choice. Way better. Why? Way better. 
What do you mean? Oh, just Why was arch- that the right architect- choice? Architecturally, it works a lot better. Also, it works a lot better, and it, I think it looks better. There's different well. iterations of how Wolverine's claws have been drawn. When he first debuted in Incredible Hulk, they were literally just kind of spikes. They were literally like what you would imagine a beast claws to be. They were sharp at the end, but they weren't necessarily blades. Mm-hmm. So it made a bit of sense for them to emanate from the top of the hand and kind of arc outward like like a claw set would. But over the years, more and more artists... became daggers? Yeah, they became just fucking Ginzu knives. And in that case, it doesn't make much sense for them to arc outward like that straight through the knuckles. You, it makes more sense. You sure. Know? Especially if you're if you're thinking of it in terms of it's an extension of his body. Yeah. yeah. Then it just, the physics of it as an extension makes much more sense. Right. Literally extending yeah. from his wrist. It was drawing into his and, wrist. And, yeah. and then there was, like that. there was that whole thing in, um, there was that whole thing in his origin that like when they, they, and, 92 or 93 they magneto gets pissed off at him and basically rips all the metal off his body yeah which hurts but it reveals at that point oh shit he's got bone claws underneath like they didn't realize that they thought the blades were just a byproduct of the the weapon x thing but he's got bone claws fucking under there and at that point it makes there's bone in the blades yeah oh yeah Oh yeah, but it's he like ripped off his fingers. Well, no, they they didn't rip off the bone. They just it ripped off the metal. It stripped the metal uh, off the, the bone. Metal, yeah, which sucked because he's got metal. He's he's got metal coating his skeleton as well. But yeah. his skeleton so. is still bone underneath it. Tisto yeah. is trolling. Bone claws are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's good here and what works in the movie so well is like before we, we, they're not heroes yet. They're they're becoming heroes, but before they're heroes, they're characters, and you you're invested. And this was the scene that they had both. Everyone auditioning for Rogue and everyone auditioning for Wolverine. This was the scene that they had him read and audition together. Yeah, and they locked in Anna Paquin as Rogue first, and then they had multiple people read for because uh, actually he was not the original Wolverine. He was a last minute replacement. The original was um, <laughs> really fuck. What is his name? He, John Stamos. Uh, no, the no, guy, the guy, the guy that uh, was, uh, Aragorn. No, I mean, no, 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 no. Doug Ray Scott. Would be so sad. <laughs> Doug Ray Scott was originally going to be Wolverine. No, Doug Ray is how- a name. Doug Ray Scott, and he was in Ever After with Drew Barrymore. No, I'm just saying that's yeah, a name a you can name. have. Doug Ray Scott was Doug Ray is cool. Doug Ray Scott was cast and and read and was being fitted, and then he dropped out last minute on somebody's advice, who I hope got fired, uh, and then or divorced or something or something. Yeah, and then they, <laughs> <laughs> right, and then they they it was literally a mad dash, and like fuck it, we're just gonna have to cast an unknown, and they flew in Hugh Jackman on like. A couple days notice it was like it was something really rushed and made yeah <laughs> right and, exactly and, and career like yeah uh, you know and i'm not kidding about hugh jackman youtube the guy doing like the tonys or something oh he's he's like you look at this and you're like yeah hugh, hugh jackman and you kind of actually you almost, star, did, whatever, you almost dismiss him like a vin diesel or something like, and yeah, i know vin Gerard diesel butler or something a perfectly nice guy too but um but He's actually He's a song and dance man. He's actually crazy super talented and you watch him in interviews and stuff like that and he seems like just the most amazingly sweet guy yeah. Yeah. as well. It's yeah. like super nice, man, super humble. I hate Hugh Jackman because I can't. There's nothing about Hugh Jackman that I can hate. Fuck you for winning a life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's tall. He's incredibly handsome. He's got a great voice. He can dance. He's beautiful also family, a movie star. Kids. Yeah, like he's just... also a movie star and incredibly just down to earth. And he and seems cool. Yeah. Well, and fucking what's, asshole. I can't, even, I can't even stand it. What's interesting, what's interesting is your perception, but like from the from the comic book fans' perspective, we were initially told, okay, Doug Ray Scott. And we're like, oh, all right, okay, we can see that happening. But then he drops out, and then it's like Hugh Jackman. And the reaction was like, who the fuck is Hugh Jackman? And then you look at his credits, like, oh, great. He did Oklahoma on Broadway. Yeah. Awesome. Great job, world. Like, <laughs> And then we saw a picture, and it's like, and by we, I just mean sort of the collective fan base. Yeah. But it's like, their pictures came out, it's like, yeah, okay, uh, I guess. But they did the fuck. hair, sure. Yeah, the hair, but fuck. he's a song and dance man. And then come to be, you know. 
And he's too tall. That's the thing. He's too tall. Yeah, that's Six all that's two. left. Danny DeVito is Wolverine. <laughs> I had... which, which, I mean, it's fine. There's, there's, there's only one shot in this movie where, like, he's up against... he's. Uh, um, Storm, Halle Berry, and they're like the same height, or he's actually taller than she is. Like, right. oh, that's don't do that. We Otherwise, should, it's fine. It, it should, be, re- it be, should be remiss. Yeah, um, she's tall and he's not. The original draft of this, Isn't Halle Berry, no, like I three feet tall. The second draft of this uh, was by some guy named Joss Whedon, uh, and he has a very famous story about how only two of his lines of dialogue survived to this cut. Tell yeah. me the stories. I haven't well, heard no, these stories. We'll, we'll come up to them when we see them. Nah. Um, there's the, but actually no, they're both towards the end, so you know, we may do it. But uh, they're and what's funny is that they are actually the best line and the worst line in yeah. the entire movie. Well, yeah. when I when I uh, we'll save it. We'll save we'll it save for it when for we that, get to yeah. the worst line because it, I, I'll just say when I when I heard it. When I discovered it was a Joss Whedon line, and it, it's this it isn't this, yeah, this isn't this isn't like a oh well Whedon can do no wrong, blah, 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 you know. Is it the sort of balls. thing where you were like oh they just didn't say it right? Yeah, it's the sort of thing where I'm yeah. like okay, yeah. now that I know the sensibility that was that's behind that line, it wasn't supposed to be that kind of the the line now, the way they did. Now that I know what yeah. the intention behind the line was, I know what the moment was supposed to be yeah. and why the moment on screen yeah, doesn't, doesn't match work. that line. Yeah, yeah. doesn't work at all. Um, so yeah, we get the first glimpse of Wolverine's healing factor here, uh, and various. No, that's not Wolverine. That's just Hugh Jackman. <laughs> various, um, and we, well, we get more of a skill set other than you know knife hands. We get a sense of smell. We get his healing factor, and here we get his brother, father, whatever the fuck iteration it is this week. Uh, but Sabretooth, played here by Tyler Maine, former pro wrestler. I don't think um, it comes up in this version. By the time we get to X-Men yeah. Origins, they decide they, they're they brothers, dis- they discuss, Yeah, oh. they discuss it. When the, there was an or, you know Origins Wolverine, ah. which was an actual comic book series that came out in the mid-2000s that goes into great detail about how they're brothers, which everyone kind of figured their their powers were way too similar and, yeah. you know, it's it's basically you know Sabretooth is Wolverine without the skeleton pretty much and nails instead of Sabretooth claws. is the Wolverine beta basically. yeah <laughs> Wolverine well, do, or Sabretooth does come before Wolverine in the history of the Weapon X program right it, well no right. Sabretooth is not a Weapon X and here's the thing oh, like okay. here's the other thing is that and this is where the comics get so fucking ridiculous Grant Morrison wrote a very popular run on X Men but then he retconned it so he's like oh no you've all read the files wrong it's not weapon x it's weapon 10 meet one through nine and 11 through whatever and it's and he takes it in this really bizarre place um that's interesting but it doesn't like like deadpool is a weapon series yeah like there's all these other characters um we're meeting the other x-men here for the first time this i i honestly felt like the introduction of the other x-men it didn't quite land maybe as well as it could have. Like overall, it plays fine, but I I kind of wish the intro to these characters was a little different. I don't know. Well, we only really get a glimpse of them, yeah. and then it saves a lot of the reveal for Wolverine's sure. walking around the mansion. Yeah. And so I guess it's a question of uh, how much of do you want their very first reveal to be the full on? How significant do you want? Yeah. It to be? Do you want the silhouette? How, yeah. From how the many snow how or? many beauty close ups of them yeah. do you want the first time you see them? I love the little balls. Yeah. That's 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 cute. That's a very Magneto thing to do. Like, hey, I'm bored. Check it out. Yeah. The Newton's Cradle? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's doing it without strings. Yeah. yeah he's that's just, cool. Because he's, he's a magnet guy. Yeah. So he's doing that just... Everything he does in this room, he's also doing that right. <laughs> in the meantime. It's like his version of Sudoku. Yeah. Tyler Main playing Sabretooth here. He's also got a pretty decent sized role in Troy. He plays Ajax, uh, the dude with the giant hammer. Um, yeah, so he's in that. He's been he's been in a few other things since then. A lot of pro wrestlers find work, especially the bigger ones. They find work as movie extras or not movie extras, but like 
guys like Stunties. this. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan yeah. Jones, also in Troy, also in uh, Tom Young Goon. Like, he's been in a few things. Um, I would think that wrestlers already kind of have a natural ability to sort of deliver a line. They can take bumps and they can cut promos, well, which is well, essentially well, speaking well, stuff. But yeah. What I mean is, you know, not necessarily act, but. They're comfortable deliver speaking, a line, yeah. you know, realistically on screen to to varying effect. I mean, there's yeah, I mean, there's I mean, obviously, you know, Dwayne Except Johnson, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Hulk Hogan's bad and everything. Dwayne Johnson obviously been the most successful um, <laughs> so far. That that got you. Why did that yeah. get you so hard? It's just, it's just like how <laughs> it's, casual. It's the exact <laughs> definition of a foregone conclusion yeah. for Eddie. Yeah, he's bad. It's like no, I've already had this conversation, and I don't even have to think about it when I say it now. No, he's bad at everything. Well, I mean, we can discuss, <laughs> we can discuss Santa with muscles anytime, but uh, you know, like there, there's it, the the we'll do that for we'll do that for our December movie. Kind of self evident, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> kind of self evident there. I always thought Femke Johnson was a. a a really interesting choice for Jean Grey because Jean Grey, part of her appeal is that she was younger. She was kind of naive and like her and Scott were supposed to be young and that she's sort of smitten with the much, much older Logan. Um, but I, I don't mind them being a bit older here. It's it's certainly a nice aversion to the let's all make them 12 trope. That's, right, 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 right. It would fall you know I, they would obviously do exactly well, that with no first class I'm, but i'm glad it's not a pure origin story where it's like professor x i should start a school for gifted kids yeah. let's find five and let me just happen to meet five of them in the same day yeah, yeah. i mean i like that okay i've done this been doing this for about 20 years i've got some students who are now teachers go from there yeah, i'm yeah. glad we didn't discover storm in a, a a kenyan ghetto you know what i mean like i'm i'm glad like we didn't find her pickpocketing people which is what her origin is i'm glad that yeah. we didn't spend the first like 40 minutes of this movie going from x-man to x-man to x-men finding absolutely. each of them absolutely because that very easily could have been that's the first hour of this movie is just okay here's cyclops here's Storm. I, I honestly think the thing i kind of would like that they well they they do a bit of that in first class but it's not the entire it's not the entire point of the first act. It's just something that they also happen to be doing. They, they, don't, right, even get at one to, point. they don't even get to the team selection. I mean, really into like the second act like, yeah. when they kind of start that. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's uh, with this. I, I, I've always felt like my big thing has been if you're going to, if you're going to make a comic book movie, a, why are you listening to me? You're obviously doing something right. <laughs> B, you don't, don't feel compelled to start with the origin. Like it's okay to do this. It's okay. I, I think Spider-Man, regardless of what you think of the original Well, this is Spider-Man. starting with well, the origin, though. Well, this no, is, it's not. I mean, it's Wolverine's not, origin. Not, it's Wolverine's origin. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's but, not Wolverine's origin. It's Wolverine at a very, when he meets the X-Men, which if you look at the literal comic book, Wolverine doesn't meet the X-Men until 90 issues in, you know, like, so, which is great. Don't do that. Like, Spider-Man, I, I feel like you can tell a really compelling Spider-Man story without the origin. Um, which I, I haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know what people think of it, but there's Jubilee. There's there's Jubilee in the yellow, yeah, uh, and then Shadow. The original cast in Shadowcat. She's later played by Ellen Page later on. Is that Jenny Greer? Ellen Page is about three as of this filming. No. <laughs> so, I, I I liked I liked the Amazing Spider-Man, the new one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that they felt the need to go back to the origin story but at the same time i feel like they're trying to franchise build and i think they had to plant the seeds for later later plot lines and later stories that did not exist in the previous one so they could have just picked up where they and i I think in in that at least specific case they had to redo the origin story just to be absolutely clear that this was a different right right. uh, um, totally different imagining and continuity from the raimi i I like in theory what Fox is trying to do with the X-Men origin series. Like, 
with Wolverine, I, it was not a good movie. But I think there you could you could dig into Storm. Storm has a great character history that you could dig into. Just don't make. No, I have a quick, I, no, I don't want to watch Halle Berry any more than I no. Do. I'm not <laughs> saying necessarily Halle Berry. I'm saying Storm. Like, yeah, uh, you know, like re, Halle Berry is death. Like Catwoman worked out so well. <laughs> Where is Cyclops' eye? He has eyes. No, he has like, both two eyes. eyes. It's just a, it's just a name. They just shoot lasers. Yeah. And Wolverine is not actually a Wolverine. Come on, we're, yeah. it's not crazy. No, he, his visor makes it look like he has one eye. Therefore, it is I Cyclops. Cyclops. Okay. Yeah. But no, his his whole thing, Ruby Quartz is the only thing that can repress his being. Uh, I can't even say it without sounding stupid, but <laughs> like, I, I acknowledge how silly it all fucking sounds. And he guesses it. He's like, yeah, it's Cyclops, so what? I already told him, but that's funny. Um, get out of my head <laughs> yeah that's that's what makes now do we want to talk about the questionable ethics of really i mean if oh yeah if you're really looking at what professor x does on a on a regular basis what does he do he, he gets in people's heads and, and messes with your shit but i mean in, in the comics they make it clear like he he does that up until a point like he, there's some things he won't do obviously or he or he'll he ask permission the, first he'll ask permission he, he does or, that yeah. a couple times may i don't remember if it's in this one but uh there's a couple of times he goes into gene gray's mind he's yeah. like is this cool because they have like a they have like a thing worked out like they have you know because i know what things you like and yeah. <laughs> well no they have because they have, she's a telepath too so they have an empathy or uh they have like a an auto connection kind of similar to cyclops and gene gray have they have like a thing they've worked out on you know so see i don't understand why you'd have to get full dress just to skeet shoot like you can do that just with the visor you don't need to yeah. dress up like that because it looks badass. I'm trying to figure out a few of these characters, and it's just it's obviously random kids. But like, there's Jubilee ob- in yeah, the that's yellow. Jubilee, yeah. It's obviously Jubilee, and that's Shadowcat there, and everything. Uh, Jean Grey was like the one character that Joss Whedon was most excited to write when he came back. Uh, when he well came back when he started writing X Men, because there's a lot you can do with her. Um, her powers are interesting. You and I don't I don't really think she got properly utilized in in the third X Men, um, but she's interesting. So, and they re- end up recasting this guy who plays Pyro here. Um, they recast yeah. him for the second one to, to a much better actor. I never liked Sean Ashmore as a Iceman. He I, played Jake in Animorphs. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> or his twin brother. I don't recall, no, but he, he has I a twin. You're right. I think you're right. And no, they he, are, no I'm, right. I'm serious. He has a twin. He does. And they're both dreamy. <laughs> really? Really? I'll have you know. He's got kind of fist face. That's kind of I, pimp, though. Nah, like, that's that's kind of like, hey, I can make a nice rose. You like La- it? Ladies. <laughs> Um, th- I wouldn't is- have expected you to go for like that cliche of a '90s look. Ah. All right, M- Mike's an iconoclast, man. Yeah, he he, he doesn't mm-hmm. takes all kinds. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh. All right, if you could be any X Men, which one would you be? Ooh, Iron Man, Master present. Yeah, uh, I'd want to be a really ridiculous one, like uh, Maggot. Oh God! Are oh, you making was, one up? What, what or was Maggot? No. Maggot's a real Maggot is the most. They were just out of ideas at this point. They're like, uh, okay, Maggot is a dude who has his entire digestive system exists outside of his body in the form of two gigantic steel maggots, and they just steal. They yeah, they just eat. <laughs> and they can eat anything. Oh, that's that's his power. That's his power. He sounds like my aunt. And never gain weight. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, marrow or something like that. I don't know. Like someone really fucking stupid. Like, because anyone can say Wolverine or Cyclops or Angel. Actually, Archangel was my favorite. Archangel was Ar- my I, I like Archangel. Archangel was absolutely my favorite. Yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, you started this. 
No, I asked no, the question. He asked oh, the question, yeah. don't blame me, man. I, I don't know. You usually what did, ask the question. What did, so Ar- that's what did Archangel do? Angel, Angel was the dude who had wings, but then Apocalypse got a hold of him, ran some experiments, and he became Archangel. His wings became metal, and they could shoot fucking metal feather darts that paralyzed you, and they could slice through shit. And he was blue. You make a compelling case. There you go. Um, I would be Nightcrawler because I've always wanted. If I if I could have one power other than it would either be telekinesis because you can fake a lot of the other ones that way, right? Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, super strength. Yeah, exactly. Super strength. Oh, bullets don't hurt me. And you <laughs> I know, can I can fly. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um. So either telekinesis Perfect or hair. um or teleportation. Well, I Nightcrawler. have that already. Hey, there you go. Um, so, see, here's the thing. I would do Nightcrawler. I'd go Mystique, probably. That solid it's choice. Okay. Solid choice. Um, but it, Nightcrawler always terrified me because, I, as I was saying before the conversation, I had the 1988 PC game of X-Men, and Nightcrawler was one of the characters you could be. And part of the thing was, if there was a wall, you had to swap out to Nightcrawler so you could teleport across. The problem is, is that if you teleported into a wall, dead. Like mm-hmm. Just like in life. If you teleport inside of a solid object... Fucking dead. Like, yes, just like in real life. Ju- yeah. yeah, just like in real science here. And there was one comic book that, like, a cliffhanged with uh, Nightcrawler in, like, a dungeon cell and a cat in, like, Doctor Doom's castle. And he's like, I can teleport, but I don't know if I'm going to teleport into a wall or I don't know if I'm going to teleport into a thing. And so then it ends with him going, okay, I'm going to do it. Three, two, one. The very next issue, the very first page, it's a splash page, and it's him bamfing 300 feet in the sky above the castle. That's what I'd do. Going, and he's just like, fuck! Like <laughs> and then he's just kind of messed up at that point. I would, I would totally, if I had to do that, I would teleport a mile straight up. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I will be out of wherever I am. At and then that I point. just teleport my way down. And then just yeah. Yeah, slowly <laughs> teleport my way back to the ground. Um, this was a really, I got to talk about Mystique here. This was a really bold choice in the way they interpreted her outfit. With the blue? With, with the with, scales? With or? the naked. With the constant yeah. naked and scales. It makes a lot of sense if you're, if you are, because that's the thing. In the comic book, she could, you know, she she would have clothes on and then she would morph. But her clothes that she was wearing would be gone. And that's not it's not as sciencey as it could be so as opposed to be naked and then morph and then your skin looks like the clothes of the person you're morphing into fair enough so it makes a lot of sense uh and she didn't really have scales in the book but i mean she really that that shit was just like paste on shit over her parts and i mean and that was like rebecca remains she was a model that was like her first real role and so she was uh well other than having to love john stamos uh, John, she had a small. How could role. you not love John Stamos? <laughs> she had a small role in Austin you Powers. Oh, I forgot. You like the '90s thing? Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> she had a small role in Austin Powers too as herself, but this was her first like actual role, and she. Um, it, it was kind of. I, I, I give her credit. It's kind of brave uh, to just be like, "Yeah, I'll be naked on set for you know with a pasty on my." After sitting in makeup crotch. for you know twelve hours, twelve hours every goddamn yeah. day. Yeah, like that's that. She, you know, she was serious about it, and she reprised it. You know, for three more movies. So. Hmm. With a cameo. Wait, with a cameo in, in first class. First class. Yeah. Who put this on Wolverine? Uh, the government. Because oh, okay. 9-11. Big government. <laughs> terrorists, man. We, we need the metal skeleton to I'm fight tired the of the government raising my taxes so they can cover dudes in metal. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Paul. Listen, listen. My grandfather did not fight the goddamn Nazis in World War II so that Canadians could be covered in metal. <laughs> 
Let's take the fight to them. Let's take the fight to them. <laughs> what I love about this movie and the plot of it. Yeah, that's the pro. It was in Canada, so it was all the socialized health care. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm tired that, of subsidizing Alpha Flight. Yeah. That's a completely cosmetic procedure, but I had to pay for it anyway. It's not a pre existing condition. There's socialized health care. Should have taken care of them. America. What, what I love about the. With the way they hey, set up this Ball. movie. Ray Park, everybody. Ray Park, ladies and yes. gentlemen. Yeah. Good friend. As the worst Brotherhood of Evil mutant ever. If you say it wrong, it sounds like Rape Park. Ray Park? He even looks Ray like Park. Moist from Dr. Horrible. Yeah. Like, what? In, in this. in this, The Bruce way. Davison character of, I forget the senator's name, but. Kelly. Kelly. Senator Kelly. He, Kelly does appear as himself in the book, but, like, the, the he's kind of a pastiche of, like, various governmental figures who have tried to fuck with, fuck with the X-Men over the the years. Senator Kelly, I think, actually is the one who authorizes the Sentinels, which is a thing they just decided not to address at all in the movies, I think, to their credit. Yeah, um, as much as I really wanted to see Sentinels. Yeah, people were people they, kept yeah. saying, like, we should have the Sentinels and the X-Men. It's like, no, no. you don't want giant robot. That's the second magic bean. They, like, they, yeah. they gave a nod and a wink to it in the beginning yeah. of the third one. Yeah, in the, uh, the training. See, I, I didn't. I never, oh, in the training. I and then there's the also, is it in the second ah. movie when he's looking through the hard drive or the desktop? There's, there's like all the for it, yeah. There's all the different yeah. folders. Yeah. I think they're going to... I mean, if they do Days of Future Past, uh, which is the proposed sequel for First Class, there is talk about finally getting the Sentinels in there somehow, which, you know, they'd probably be able to do. What I love about what this movie does is it plays on the expectation of the audience that Wolverine is the character everybody cares about mm-hmm. and sets that up for a great a twist great at twisty the end. thing, yeah. Cause yeah, because yeah, because oh, healing factor. It hurts Magneto to do it, so he needs the healing factor or something. You know, or just the. It's like, huh? No, the thing that bugs, and I, I like this. I like this movie, and what they do with Wolverine is great. But by and large, in general, people are way too fixated on Wolverine as a character. I completely and he's agree. The center of stories far more often than he deserves. I completely because agree. he's a fan favorite, and I, the way this movie sets up its story, it's plays on that expectation mm-hmm. for that great reverse at the end mm-hmm. so here we're getting into like i say kind of the villain plot yeah it's like this is what he's gonna do he's gonna i'm gonna make everybody a mutant so no, that professor x i expect you to die yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that then we'll all be mutants and then you can't be prejudiced that that's one way yeah that's 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 like every right winger's fear about about gays. Yeah. It's like yeah. they want to make us all gay. So well, gays and Muslims. <laughs> yeah, Sh- right? that's Sharia law. Sharia law. Yeah. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> How are the effects on this? Because they to me they often appear dated and they, they yeah, feel a like because it looked okay. I didn't like the way it is animated back into the thing though. I I think a lot of the stuff was rushed. Like this this movie historically did have a bit of its budget taken away, kind of mid mid production. Um, or somewhere around there, like it, it, it got a, a solid amount of money taken away from it because certain people at Fox, uh, Tom Rothman most notably, lost faith. Like they just didn't feel like they like what are these mutants and they're doing? They're, they can fly now and what the fuck? Yeah, like they just he couldn't access the material, and so he was trying to hedge his bets against it. I think even like there's a thing about the opening slate, like where it, it comes you know, after the flashback from World War Two. It doesn't say present day; it says the near future. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. it's he, he's trying to justify this somehow because th- that feels noted to me. And I think I think I heard somewhere that it was. Um, so this movie wasn't it didn't have a lot of expectation to succeed. And as the franchise goes on, that kind of plays out in some of the behind the scenes stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sexy. To answer the previous question that I asked, I would, in terms of powers, which is a different question, but in terms of which X-Man I would be, yeah. I would be Cyclops for two sure. reasons. Gets to fly the Blackbird, yep. and he sleeps with Jean Grey. Mm. That's it. Most of the time. Yes. But what Most if in real time. life Jean Grey is played by, like, Fat Albert? <laughs> well... The boldest what? thing that the boldest thing that Grant Morrison did uh, in his run on X Men, and I completely agreed with it, was he made Cyclops and Emma Frost a couple, and I dug that. I dug that as as a pretty bold choice, and I think Emma Frost is a much more fascinating character than Jean Grey. As Jean Grey to me often was a cipher, and nothing really interesting happened to her until she got the Phoenix, and even then she spends half the time dead or cloned or cloned and dead or, possessed. or you know possessed by a cosmic entity like. I mean, it's a great story. It's like everybody was like saying, "Get the Phoenix Saga in there." Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's take this audience who we've earned the trust of. Let's take them halfway across the universe. Let's have one of them possessed by an intergalactic omniscient force. Sure, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's but that is where they were going to go with the third they, one. They kind of they they got there, but they were kind of they're kind of too clever by half. And interestingly enough, a lot of the third movie copied Joss Whedon's initial run on Astonishing X-Men. Interesting. All the stuff about the mutant cure was Joss Whedon's run. Huh. Yeah. Joss Whedon wrote X-Men? Astonishing X-Men for about two years. The comics. Yeah, the comic. Cool. Uh, and it was honestly, pound for pound, one of the best runs um, on the series. Well, sure, because it was paper, so it was pretty light. <laughs> hey. It's, it's interesting that they actually... They actually obey this kind of canon that they set up here. Like when you go get to yep, X Men Origins, a lot of the the production design and stuff of these little flashbacks are right. honored in the production design of of actually seeing him. Great reveal. Turn into Project X absolutely, or X. absolutely great reveal there. Yeah, and that's the thing about Wolverine's origin is like we didn't get the whole Weapon X explanation until 1989. Mm. Wolverine was created was he a mystery six- before that. It was yeah, mysterious guy. There were hints that he worked for the government, but and that he was his name was you know he had Logan as a as a real name. That was all that anybody ever knew about him. And then eighty eighty nine came out, and there was a run on Marvel Comics Presents where it was the Weapon X flashback. But even then, that didn't answer anything. It didn't answer. It, it starts off with him in the government facility as part of the Weapon X program, and that's it. That kid was. All, I was theorized to be, the blob? to be the blob. Yeah, I was theorizing to be the blob. Who there? There was a there was you know the House of M storyline in the comics was a thing where ninety eight percent of all the mutants lose their powers overnight, and so the Blob is one of them, and he just becomes really skinny, like with <laughs> all, all this excess skin. He's like, guys, like, this sucks. <laughs> There's a great image of it, and he's just, and like Iceman is another one of them, and he's just soaked. He's just like dripping wet, and he's just like, yep, <laughs> lost my powers, lost my powers, y'all. Yeah, they did some. Yeah, Seth Brower brings up the fact that he's like an immortal. They, the X Men, like this is the problem. Like, it is not the easiest continuity to adapt. It's uh, there's time travel. There's like I said, galactic omniscient stuff. There's alternate realities, alternate timelines. They Professor X dies and comes back and dies and comes back and onslaught. God help us. Like there, there's all these really bad storylines that. There's, there's much more, and I'm just going to say it, there's more bad X-Men storylines than good. The good ones tend to be amazing, but the bad ones are just really insufferable. It's basically all of the problems that you run into with in comics in general, 
X Men is just that's to eleven. It's it's under. It's just the most highly concentrated form of the problem of the uh, comic genre of the comic medium. It sells so many issues. It's such under such editorial pressure to do something big and exciting all the fucking time. Yeah. And so now they're doing a thing, and the issue as of this recording just came out. So now there was a thing where they just did Avengers versus X-Men because the Avengers were after this one girl that the X-Men were protecting and it turned to a big thing. And the Phoenix came back and possessed five different people and then tried to destroy the world again. And yeah, but it ends with the Avengers saying, look, you were wrong, but we were wrong too. We should have supported you guys more. So we're forming a new team, the uncanny Avengers and it's half mutants Uh and half. Yep. It's half mutants and half Avengers. So it's like Wolverine, Captain America, Havoc, Scarlet Witch, uh, and Thor, and like one other dude, and it's like Captain America isn't considered a mutant. No, not he's at all. An oh, because he he they, took a serum. He's right. a drug addict. Oh yeah, he's a drug addict. Um, <laughs> okay, so which which you know you, you feel like you can fly <laughs> for a while for a while, but then you know you're selling your mom's jewels and it, to support your superhero habit. Um, the stretchy effects are not bad. They're a little cartoony and yeah. little dated. and stretch, I, They always seem like dated. They're not awful. I, I remember I, in I, 2000 they felt okay, but, you know. I just th- I think conceptually it, it doesn't work. Mm. And, and, and plot-wise, I don't think it works either. It's just, Okay, so it, he used the mutant ray on him, and he turns into a puddle of water, It ultimately. makes it, I, I think, what, what they're going for is Magneto doesn't, Magneto thinks he's going to turn everyone into mutants and solve the problem. What he doesn't understand and can't accept is that if you're not born a mutant, this ray will kill you. Yeah. The, you will turn, you will you will yeah, you become unstable. You you turn right. into a mutant and then you go too far and you just disintegrate. Right. The, the um, so that's what that's what the much. that's what the big threat is at the end. It's like he's actually going to kill He's actually going to kill everybody. Yeah. I just don't feel I feel like No, okay. I guess Magneto has no reason to believe that he that uh, Senator Kelly has died. So even when they tell him, even when the X Men later in the movie tell Magneto, "Hey, your thing doesn't actually work." Yeah, it's, it's like you're it's, just saying that it's justifiable for him to, to and ignore And Stan them. Lee in our very first Stan Lee cameo. Oh, there he is. Yeah. But this is yeah, and it's not an insufferable cameo. No, yes, it's not. Exactly. A, it's not a cute like. Hey everybody! Hey everybody! I'm Stan Lee walking Excelsior. through the screen. Or not? Or uh, an Iron Man? Hey, Hef. Yeah. Eat my asshole. I, I like, the, I like the, that one because, again, we don't stop the movie, so... Or Larry can, King, you yeah. Can have a, yeah. Actually, yeah, my favorite Larry one, King one is worse. My favorite one I was think the, the Avengers one is pretty bad. It's bad, but the Incredible Hulk one I actually liked a lot. The Incredible I still Hulk haven't one. seen Incredible Hulk. I need to. It's really good. I need to rewatch it's, it. It, it, just it to. actually has a plot... His cameo actually has a plot point. Like, oh, it's, wow. Yeah. The, uh, I, I like the, um, the Amazing Spider-Man Stanley cameo is pretty good, too. Yeah, that one's all right. Yeah, but here's an example of like just fucked up X-Men timelines that the movies are actually sort of contributing to. So uh, in First Class, you meet Alex Summers, Havoc, who is Scott, Scott Summers' is older, is, yeah, his brother. Yeah. But like they're only like three years apart in age in, in the book, and now they're 30 years apart in yeah. age. Like, so they're, they, got some, they got some explaining to do. Well, they, is, they, is Havoc in this? Where is he in he's this? He's in, in First, first class. class. Oh, he's in First Class. He's in First Class. Yeah. And they, they actually talk about that. I watched some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm curious. And yeah. they, they are... You know, Committed to, to their that. credit, they are very aware of that. Oh, I'm sure they are. Yeah, they, they're very aware of that, but they committed to, they were like, you know what? The comic books and the movies are different things. Fair enough. In the movie, Havoc is his 30-year-old older brother or whatever, or his cousin or whatever. In, in the comics, their father is a space pirate. So yeah. there you go. So they basically, <laughs> they basically 
I mean, their their whole thing was like, we know, but fuck it. Yeah, you know, it's I'm just, with you. you know, which is which is something you have to be able to do. It's that's the William Goldman thing. You like you have to be able to to throw that away or be willing to throw that away when you're adapting yeah uh, source material. And, and to me, like the source material is so just fucking bizarre. Like Captain or Professor X is like love interest is a alien space princess like it i mean you 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 it's okay to professor be, x's love interest is moira mctaggart no that was his original one i'm talking about uh princess no, i know, I know Seth, help me out here i know you're talking about but the sheer princess what's Moira, her name fucking uh, fucking the, the chick she looks like that, a silver see hawk. the the that's but what, I, what i'm saying is moira mctaggart I, they're, they're know, they are the I love know. that was they're, meant to yes, be that, exactly Pre- Proteus should have been their child. It's yeah. A, yeah the, I think the alien thing is the second piece of magic that tends to creep into all the Marvel stuff because everyone's timeline <laughs> exists technically in the same universe. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, which is why well, I was like, I, I was like, I always appreciated Punisher and 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 Daredevil because it's like, eh, they're in the Hell's Kitchen. They're, yeah. You know, they're in Little Italy. It's it's all right. That's why I'm really. Um, I hi, gotta, Seth. Hi. <laughs> Uh, Teague has literally in. walked out of the building. There he's he is. gone on a vision quest. <laughs> he literally left. He's he's left. He's left for uh, for Tibet. I don't know anything about this movie. His name is. Then Gopa. why did you say no? His name is Tigor. Now, anyway. No. Uh, so I was just going to say, um, it's it's interesting. In the last couple of weeks, um, you know, it's it's the comics industry and turnover and stuff like that. Uh, one of the authors I enjoy reading, Greg Rucka. Yeah, I like Greg. Who does a lot of stuff other than comics. He does novels Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of espionage and crime thriller. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I love that effect of the the Cerebro turning on. And it's a great use of a trombone shot of changing the perspective. Of a trombone effect shot. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, this was a really good interpretation of Cerebro. Like, yeah. And that's the thing is like, there's, we've seen bad comic book movies long before this. And so it's like every, you know, every aspect of the mythology is like a fork in the road that you can turn one way or turn another. And one way is Joel Schumacher. One way, and yeah, the other one is, way is nipples yes. on a breastplate. Another way is the Punisher not actually having the Punisher logo. And then another way is doing Cerebro like that and making a really inspired choice that makes sense to the rules of the world. I'm sorry, Seth. Oh, no, no. Um, No, uh, uh, Greg Rucka made a uh, point of posting uh, an article or an interview where he's uh, he's currently writing Punisher. Yeah. And it's critically... I've heard good good things about it. Nothing will touch Um, Garth Ennis' match run, in my opinion, but... Valid point. Uh, But he was saying that, you know, he's going to be... I think he said he's essentially going to be done soon because he's like... I, I enjoy writing the character because it's grounded... It's grounded... It's reality. Punisher is one of those Marvel characters who you can get a lot of mileage out of, but he does not mesh well with the, the capes Marvel and types yeah. Marvel. And Absolutely. you know he's been kind of doing his own thing, and all of a sudden with the new you know new number ones and whatnot, because it's editorial mandate, it's oh yeah, Punisher's going to be on a team with all these other guys, and he's like, it, it's so, it doesn't yeah. work, and you guys never. But he's basically saying, I went into this, it's work for hire, it's it's not my property. And I think as a creative person, I think that's an interesting – the whole comics industry is very weird that way in that you have all these people coming in and working on essentially something they have no true creative control over yeah. because, they, I mean, yeah. they're kind of pitching ideas and if they go, they go, but who knows what the next writer is going to do versus the independent uh, comic 
book creators who basically say, no, this is mine. I'm doing my own thing. The Walking Dead. I'm, and, I'm, I'm doing that yeah. right now. I'm writing a I'm writing a proposal for a uh, for a, you know a, a mid level publisher like they. They're looking for people to propose storylines for these five or six new characters that they've exist. And to be honest, they don't particularly appeal to me. I've got to make them interesting to myself in some way. Yeah. But if you can make them interesting to yourself, then they will probably be interesting to, you know. So in this shot where we had Iceman walking, you know, the one way with the other guys, and then he walks past the camera, and then his duplicates, Uh who's actually Mystique, walks out. Do you think they actually just called in the twin brother if for that day? Got, you, if, you know, <laughs> Probably, yeah. if he's got a twin brother, they'd be like, yeah, "Might as well save us yeah, an effect shot, save us a you know, save us ten grand by they, paying they, him two. They, they made a whole did episode they, of Buffy out of that with Nicholas Brennan's twin brother. Oh yeah, uh, and they did things like, "Oh my God, Xander's been cloned," and like they got a lot of mileage of just them playing off of each other. Nice. So. No, uh, no. The, with what you were saying about Punisher was absolutely true. There was uh, when Garth Ennis first took over his run on Punisher, it was very much integrated, and he had to have team ups with like Spider Man and Wolverine, and and his and he hated it because he hates he hates People. superheroes. No, Garth Ennis literally wrote a one shot called Marvel or Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe, where he literally kills all the other heroes in the Marvel Universe, um, and it exists outside of continuity. It was just a one shot, but when he had to do a thing with Wolverine, where he had to write him and Wolverine teaming up. He's like, well, Wolverine's got a healing factor, so I can just do anything I want to him. So in the first three pages, Punisher blows off Wolverine's face with a shotgun, so you just see the adamantium skeleton, like, kind of framed by hair and grotesquery. And uh, and then after that, after he did 12 issues of that, he's like, he went to Marvel, he's like, just give me my corner of the universe and, like, just let me do my thing where I don't have to have Punisher interact with fucking anybody, and I can keep him a, be a Vietnam vet, I don't have to update his timeline, I can make him this badass 60-year-old who kills people and I can say fuck and I can show tits and they're like have at it and that produced when he separated him and made the character stand on his own that was when that character really shined and movies are absolutely a way of doing that and that's and what Brian Singer gets is like I can take the elements that are true to each of these characters and true to the universe and and push those forward and I don't have to worry about space princesses and omniscient God forces. So anytime a fanboy comes to me and is like, they should have done Phoenix this way, I'm like, no, they Phoenix never should have been in there, period. Oh, yeah. Phoenix has no place. Venom had no place in Spider-Man. None. Not in the movies that they made. The closest I could, I would think would be the best way to do a Phoenix would be what they did in the Ultimates, which was the relaunch you were talking about, yeah. which is where it's not actually this giant, you know, magic... It's like a split cosmic, personality yeah, it, that fucks well, which is what they do in the movies. That's what they were yeah. aiming for with the, yeah. with and the it, movies. And it still sucked, and I hated it. Like, it just, it, just, yeah. it didn't, like, you know, it, it didn't land right. Well, to be least. fair, the, the, the version of the Phoenix saga we got here was not the one that Brian Singer was aiming for when he <laughs> set it up in no. X2. It was Brett Rat it wasn't just the fact that it was Brett Ratner, it was Brett Ratner on six weeks notice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean that's arguably the issue that everyone was concerned with with the Avengers and uh all the current Marvel movies. It's okay they kind of work together and then you throw in Thor and Asgard right. and it's like that was my you're, concern well, you're that's stretching a, it a little bit here. well that's what we we talked about on the Thor commentary and that was the big at least for me that was the big question was okay all these other guys kind of fit into the same sort of sci-fi pastiche of various magic beans serums and gamma right. rays and whatever but Thor, his story is he's literally a god, and how do you fold an how alien do you fold like that creature that is of godlike power? Yeah. but and not not at the beginning. True, no, I know. In the beginning and in the comic books, he's just oh, I agree. Thor, yeah. he's no. a god, and so the question was, how do you 
how do you take that magic bean and fold it into the rest of the, the other magic beans in a way that works? And, and the I alien think, being thing is right. the alien being is the best way you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Really quickly, um, I liked how you saw Cyclops without his visor and just his eyes unleash what they look like, and that sort of for the see and the way they did it with the effects visually plays that it's just this wild uncontrolled yeah for a second take out a ceiling and so it's like okay that's why he wears the visor as opposed right. to just keeping his eyes shut all the time right or taking off his glasses or something and it, it's nice that in the way that they revealed but like both those pieces of information where we've already seen much earlier him doing the skeet shooting thing yeah so now you you ret- your brain retroactively puts that piece of information together right. you think of that earlier scene and go oh that's that's why then you that. then you really think yeah. about the 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 difference between the two power levels right. and you go oh he's he's actually demonstrating a lot of restraint in that in that situation this kind of hints at the uh, storyline i was talking about in 92 when you see magneto starting to manipulate because that was always my thing reading him is like he's metal like why not <laughs> right fucking he can do anything to him yeah and, well and are finally- they are they ever clear on magneto's um the, spe- the specifics of magneto's powers is it he controls metal, or he's manipulates magnetic. magnetic fields. Yeah, he, he's he manipulates magnetic fields, yeah. so he should not be able to control any non-ferrous metal like gold. Yeah. There was one point, and then where, the question is: Is adamantium ferrous or not? Well, here's probably the thing. not. There was one point where they did a thing where Magneto was trying to tilt the Earth's axis by a degree. Yeah, and and the, he wasn't successful, but in the process of doing so, he actually upped his power level to the point where he could take anybody and on a cellular level, on a subcellular level, and say the chromium in your blood cells I can now manipulate. That made him insanely right. overpowered for a while. Which yeah. is like, well, great. He well, that's the same thing as Superman. Him, yeah. He goes from a guy that can jump really high to a guy that can fly, and then a guy that can reverse time by flying. It, it's that issue of the writer has feels he has to one up the stakes or the the impressiveness of the stories that have come before and if the stories that have come before are all these critically acclaimed things well let's amp it up and yeah and also also the problem of trying to is not always answer the the problem of trying to continually outdo the stakes and and drama before of last week for like 60 years yeah it's, right. it's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what Superman is. Superman was not Superman at the beginning. He was a guy that was a little Super- stronger than usual and could jump really high. That's the thing. Superman couldn't fly. He could leap yeah. tallest buildings yeah. in a yeah. single bound. Exactly. That was, that was original continuity Superman. Like what is colloquially referred to as Earth 2 Superman is the idea that he could leap tall stories in a single bound. Uh, much like Thor can't fly, he can just throw his hammer really hard and, and it drags him along. It, and yeah. drag him along, which <laughs> physics, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I mean, comics when you get when you boil it down are essentially puny human a, physics matter not <laughs> are essentially daytime soap operas in their longevity yeah. and the need to uh, churn out story after story after novellas. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the problem with any serialized storytelling. It's you know, if a story to really be concise and efficient, you have to understand what you have to know or have some idea of what your ending is is going to be at the beginning, and serialized, really truly story, serialized storytelling doesn't doesn't have that yeah i mean the people who started you know bob kane the people who started superman the people who, you know kirby and, batman but yeah uh yeah no yeah bob kane with batman yeah. comma whoever started superman schuster and siegel uh comma kirby and and stan, stan lee. lee everything else they, they obviously had no idea they had no ending points they had, right. they, they had no like conclusion to these stories when they started them yeah. out and and you can 
it's hard. It is possible to get away with that. Like we've talked on the show about, like Breaking Bad is basically a serialized show yeah. that mm-hmm. they had no plan for. They just, I mean, they did, but they scrapped right. it like halfway through the first season, right? Um, and just kind of made it up. Have been making it up as they go ever since, right. and that's. You can you can really only get away with that if you're pretty much willing to do anything. Yeah, and I no, think yeah. there are two yeah. there are, when you're when you're dealing with a comic book and you're dealing with something that you want to last for a really long time, there are certain there are certain places you, you you're not going to be willing to go. You know, until you've been until you've been just kind of vamping for twenty years, and then you're like, all right, we'll kill so and so just right. to shake things up. Back to the movie here. This is a pretty awesome set piece. Uh, yeah. In terms of practical effects, because they really did drop a bunch of cars onto some other cars. Uh, and combined with the CG effects of really showing what each guy can do, what Professor X and Magneto can do. Um, perfect example of just using an act, what you would call an action set piece as a way to really kind of illustrate character and, yeah, and, and to absolutely. contrast characters. And like that's this is what superhero movies, you know, just like a good sci-fi movie can make all sorts of sociological commentaries a good superhero movie can really bring out a lot in character and and singer is one of those guys who gets it you know i really wish he didn't have such a goddamn superman fetish because had he stuck around for x-men 3 he potentially would have made the best superhero trilogy ever but he had to get his you know his breakup poem on with superman um and we got superman or as i like (laughs) to call it the adventures of lois lane and the guy who lifts things yeah, because uh, that's all that movie was. Yeah, Lois Lane did a lot of cool shit, and a guy in a blue jumper, um, a blue romper, lifted some heavy things one right after the other. And Lex Luthor did another real estate deal. Yes, yeah. Lex Luthor. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lex Luthor foreclosed on a few mortgages. And uh, yeah, see, I don't, I don't mind. I like the the real estate kind of scheme to Lex Luthor's plans in both the first Superman and Superman Returns. Right. I think it's just. It's it's such a nice like nexus or juncture between s- real comic book supervillainy and sure. s- just real world douchebaggery. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> like no, I, yeah, I just bought up you know me. half of the state and now I own the bottom half of California if, and if now I'm t- rich forever. If you told me tomorrow that Donald Trump had laser breath and could you know could cause earthquakes with his feet and he needed someone to take him out, I'd be all for it. Like I, <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> and you needed uh, Robert Downey Jr. to take him out. Oh God, yes. I would watch that movie <laughs> on pay per view. I'd order that. You know, even without the laser breath, we should probably just have Robert Downey Jr. take out Donald Trump. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. knows Wing Chun, so yeah, <laughs> he could do it. He could do it. Eddie, can you talk a little bit about, or maybe Mike too, um, the aspect of Fox owning a lot of the Marvel properties, and now obviously, oh God, yes. the, <laughs> obviously at th- at this time, you know, this is a Fox property along with uh, Fantastic Four and Spider Man is Sony, yes. and so it was before the Avengers was a gleam oh, yes. in anybody's eye. Uh, long story short, Marvel was bankrupt. Marvel needed money. Marvel mm-hmm. started licensing its movies to start with Blade. Because I'm trying to... Uh, New Line was Blade. New Line, oh, reached, yes. New Line reached out to to Marvel and said, hey, this works. And so they did it, and all, most success was had by all. And then at that point, not long after that, Fox... At some point, the Fox deal happened with X-Men. And at that point, Marvel did not have a leg to stand on from a negotiation standpoint. So when they said... we, you know, They structured the deal as such. Uh, to where we have the rights to the X-Men as a movie franchise. And Marvel's just like, yes, please, we need money. Uh, it became a huge hit. And so when they renegotiated, I think, for the second movie, uh, they said, okay, this is the franchise deal. Basically, when it comes to Fox and um, 
and the X-Men, and it's a similar deal that Sony has with Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and there was one other property of Sony. Is Fantastic Four is Sony? I thought it was Fox as well. Fantastic Four is Fox. Fantastic Four is Fox. Spider-Man is Sony. Yes. Um, But similar deal, which is we have to make a movie of these characters every so often, and if X amount of time lapses in between movies, we lose the rights. Right. And it, the rights revert back to Marvel. Now, during this That's time... That's why Amazing Spider-Man happened, actually. Right. During this time, right right after this, uh, as this stuff was going on, everybody was coming to Marvel with ideas. And Artisan, which was still sort of on the fumes of Blair Witch Money, was like, look, we... we it was right after X-Men 1 came out. They were like, look, we, uh, we love all the Marvel Universe. Why don't we do a big package deal for uh, literally 20 characters. <laughs> Five for the price of one. Seriously, it was Punisher, <laughs> Doctor Strange, Black Panther. It was like all these sort of B and C level heroes. Oh, you're not talking about the ev- beginning of the Avengers No, here. I'm oh, talking okay. about, but a few of them would later come with like right. the Avengers and stuff like that. And Marvel said, sure, why not? Everything's going great. Artisan ultimately went bankrupt and therefore that deal was nullified. Meanwhile, because, uh, and at that point, Spider- uh, Sony was getting Spider-Man and, you know, th- at this point, Marvel was developing, at this point, Avia Rod had taken over Marvel and Marvel was becoming sort of this, you know, factory at this point. And then, and then what happened was when the Artisan deal went down, Marvel was in a much better position to be like, hold on, let's... We actually, we actually yeah. now have some leverage. Let's take let's take a step back here, and right around this time, uh, the the relationship with Fox was starting to fracture, and they said, you know what, we can just set up our own studio, and we can produce in house, and then just partner with a distributor, uh, and that was when they signed up with Universal to distribute as like a you know like yeah we'll, we'll we'll take a first look at whatever you want to distribute, but you ultimately own the rights and you can start controlling. And the, what was it, what was the first movie that came out of it? It was. Um, Listen, it was yeah. Iron Man. It was uh, Iron Man was the first Marvel Studios movie. What? Uh, uh, who did Ang Lee's Hulk? That was Marvel. No, you're right. That was a Marvel Studios as well. That one didn't do. That one did good money. That had right, a really right, solid. Right. That had an eighty million dollar opening weekend. Yeah. No. It, so it, Hulk uh, Ang Lee's or the Incredible Ang Lee, Hulk. Ang Lee's Hulk did. did I didn't ma- know that was Marvel mass- Studios. Oh yeah. Ma- I I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. No. Garrett no. Sheamus was attached. Yeah. To that, I'm pretty sure so. uh, uh, Incredible Hulk was the first one that. Yeah. They did Iron on Man was because Iron, Iron Man. Yeah. Iron Man was the one because because Ivy Rad hired Kevin Feig to basically run Marvel Studios and he said like look. I think Iron Man is a real potential for a crossover character. And if we do this right, and we nobody knows these characters better than us. And if we take our time and we partner with the right people, and John Favreau is like, yeah, I fucking love Iron Man. Yeah, and Robert Downey Jr. is like, I want a franchise. And I, <laughs> I, I mean, the, the, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Like, it's always one of those things where, just like Patrick Stewart is Professor Xavier, Robert Downey Jr. always was Tony Stark. And so they started with that one. They had a modest budget comparatively to a lot of other blockbuster mm-hmm. films. And they made it work and made gangbuster money. And as soon as they got the green light for that, like Marvel was like, fuck it, we're doing our own thing now. And that was when they laid out the plan for the Avengers. And that was when they wanted to get control back. But these deals with Sony and with Fox especially are just ironclad. With X-Men 3, Brian Singer, because he loves to do Superman, they're like, fuck it. We, a, we, Fox likes money, too. So we'd like a third X-Men, please. And secondly, we got to make something. Yeah. Fantastic Four, same thing. Like, that's the reason we're getting another goddamn Fantastic Four reboot. <laughs> because they have to make it. Otherwise, the rights go back to Marvel. I think they I, I think they rushed the X-Men 3 one a little bit more than they needed to just Absolutely. to give Brian Singer the finger, though. Yeah, but they, well, well, what happened was... They, you, you really think that they intentionally handicapped the quality of the film? No, no. no. Because, because I think they name? wanted it to be great. Right. But it, they, they rushed it out. Oh, they, they wanted, sped up the schedule to make 
sure no, that a schedule would clash. Yeah. Well, no. Exactly. What, or, or to to make sure that their that the, that's uh, uh, X Men would yes. hit the same time that. Yeah. Oh, okay. They accelerated gotcha, the gotcha. release date, but it's still enough time to make the movie because Matthew Vaughn was attached originally to X, right. to the third X Men. Right. He started working on it, and then during that time, well, there's there's some rumors as to why he dropped out, but he had to drop out mainly because. What are the rumors? These are rumors and and not facts. Uh, they're. Citation needed. Yeah. There are... Um, oh, no, this is more with X-Men First Class, but there, oh, okay. there are rumors as to the parentage of certain people's babies. Ah, uh, okay. Um, Never mind. But no. But the main reason is that Matthew Vaughn wanted... Uh, the, Film the, babies or babies babies? Babies babies. There's, oh. Matthew Vaughn basically had to come to America and to make X-Men 3, and he was in America for a long time, and he had a couple of kids that were... you know He was away from his family. He's like, I can't take it. And I sympathize with that. Like, I, you know, I was in Miami for six weeks. He nearly goddamn wrecked me. Um... And he had a couple kids, so he dropped out, and he dropped out with seven weeks' notice. But there are also some creative differences between Matthew Vaughn and Fox, allegedly. Well, also, he, he I, ironically, uh, as it turned out when he came back for first class, he thought the schedule was too short. He wasn't, he wasn't yeah. going to be ready to pull it off. Yeah. Um, and then X-Men First Class comes along, which is, he has an even shorter schedule. It's like, yeah, and I even less this. money. Yeah. Even less. I mean, first class was given comparatively yeah. a shoestring compared to the other X-Men movies. Well, because it was coming out after... Yeah. X-Men Origin X-Men. Wolverine, which bombed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And X-Men 3, which didn't... Dude, did it, okay. It, it was a slope. It was, it was, it was definitely slope. on the downward yeah. slope. Yeah. And then there was supposed to be the Origins Magneto movie, which has gone... Which tur- Well, it turned into first class. It turned, yeah. that turned oh, into okay. first class. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. that morphed into first class. Gotcha. So they've got to keep which doing... Which is why there was such that Magneto focus. Yeah. But okay. that's, what, that's part of the reason why for the... the the idea of the origin series is that they can at least bang out X-Men movies in between X-Men movies. You know? <laughs> they wanted to do a Pixar thing where... Yo, like, dog, I heard you like X-Men movies. Yeah. Yeah. Put an X-Men movie between your X-Men yeah. movies. here you go. I hear you, I hear you like everything on your pizza. Here's a pizza on your pizza. You know, yeah. like... It's... Uh, but the point is, is like... Honestly, had, had uh, X-Men Origin Wolverines been a hit... It would have been like Pixar. Every year you would oh, have had a goddamn origin movie or an X-Men thank, movie. Thank God, because had that been a hit, we would have had a Wolverine movie... Every uh, other well, they're, year. Well, they're, they're making another one right now, but it actually has a good... This one actually... It was originally going to be Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Yes. That would have been fascinating. Yes, I was so excited for that one. That the same plot is basically the same. It's his Japanese-era yeah. chronicles, you know, because Wolverine spent some time in Japan in the comics and, right. you know, between Lady Destiny. Well, yeah, of and, course. Yeah, know, yeah. Silver Samurai Everybody knows that. Everybody. Yeah, my mom knows <laughs> Hello. That. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the much... Kind of bloviated answer to your question is is no, it's, they I mean, they have to do it. They're, it's now this self perpetuating echo chamber where so, they have well, to so make my movies follow- for the sake of making movies. Otherwise, they can't so, make more movies. My follow up question to that is: Will there ever be a point where Marvel Studios will have X Men and Fantastic Four and Spider Man? Marvel Studios is owned by Disney now. They just got <laughs> that's that's uh, a good point. Marvel just got the rights to Daredevil back from. Fox. They just got Daredevil right. back from Fox. Yeah, they were and literally up until about eight weeks ago. Fox was like, we got to make a Daredevil movie. Like, I swear to God. And like, mm-hmm. now there's like, there's been active negotiations between Marvel and, because now they're making Guardians of the Galaxy. And guess what? There's some crossover there too with Fantastic Four villains. Mm-hmm. So, because that's another, which by the way, James Gunn directed a movie starring a character named oh, Rocket yeah. Raccoon. <laughs> I can't wait. Like, I can't fuck it. Like, I've never been a Guardians fan, but that is the most nut bar decision. Uh, talking Raccoon. It's that so insane in my words. That's, that's, uh, but this is uh, what we're talking about right now. It's, it's worth noting that this is not the, the, this is not exclusive to like Marvel or anything like that. This is, uh, having to make a film to hold yeah. onto the rights is something it's a, it's that, ex- reality. that yeah. exists. It's a reality. The original, the, the famously, 
awful Fantastic Four movie, the mm-hmm. Roger Corman one that basically no one's ever seen. It <laughs> was it was made specifically to fulfill that contractual it was, obligation. It, it was made so that they could hold on to the rights. It was never intended to be shown to anyone. Right, they just yeah. had to say, we made a movie so we get to hold on to the rights. And then later on, they could try to do it for real. Right. Um, for a week in Schenectady. Yeah. yeah. Those are called those are called Ashcan films. Mm. The ones that are made nice. just to hold on to the rights and, and are not like actually uh, intended for... For distribution, the most the most recent Hellraiser movie was isn't yeah, a society uh, with lawyers fun. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and here's Here the, we have here's our the, spandex moment. Here's the famous uh, X Men line, and again, if you look closely, you can see hints. Like Aurora has the um, she's the got little, the white. She's got she got well, she got the little raccoon flaps in her arms, like her actual costume does. But I I always Storm is such a fascinating character. She in the span of fifteen years, she went from a panhandler to a god. Like she was worshipped as goddess in her tribe. And like, see, I've never found Storm interesting as a character. She, well, and and she ends up marrying Black Panther, and she becomes queen of Wakanda, and like all this. I mean, there's there's a lot you can do with it. And then for a while, she becomes an underground street punk who leads the Morlocks. Like, there's so much you can do with her. You know, like she had a mohawk phase in the '80s, which was that just went punk, that punk just punk went and opened up a whole other thing of like, okay, Morlocks now. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, is, how are we going to do that? So it is. Do you think that there's any way that you could do the whole uh, Shi'ar Empire alien arc thing on the screen and do it well? I've not, I mean, I'm probably not the right guy to ask for that. I've never been a fan of that whole story. I think, like, I think the way that you would probably have to approach it would be almost in the way that Marvel approached the Avengers movies, where you build to the integration. So you start with forget it's a Marvel movie, do a Shi'ar scroll war, do an intergalactic uh, two alien races war out in space, maybe have it end with the ships damaged, you know, coming out of warp or whatever. Oh, look, it's Earth. I think that would be the only and way. And they're met by shield when they land. Of see, but or see, or see, sword as it is in the well, yeah. yeah. See, I for me personally, I don't think I would have said yes before specifically Thor, but in general Avengers and uh, the Avengers movie specifically as and especially with um uh what they're obviously setting up for the second Avengers movie. Now that they've done that and pulled it off about as well as I think you can do that, mm-hmm. I think if you just follow that basic game plan for the, the Shi'ar Empire arc, I think you could pull it off. Especially if, going back to, you know, if Marvel can get the rights to X-Men back, and what I would love to see, because I love X-Men above all, is... uh if they could get the rights to X-Men back and then fold X-Men into the whole Avengers universe and mm. add them to that. And then you add the Shi'ar Empire into that. I mean, it would just be a mind-bogglingly large, probably overbloated, just arena of stuff. Yeah. But it might be awesome, too. I Who think, knows? I think you kind of take a page from um, what they did. The way they initially handled Thor in the Ultimate Universe was interesting because it was like yeah. this dude who just shows up who's got a badass hammer strong as hell and a kind of a glowy vest and like who are you and he's like I'm the god Thor like okay that's, that's nice but who are you strong man for, he's for like, real no, I'm for real I'm Thor yeah. and then a guy shows up he's like oh no he escaped from a weapons lab and he's kind of crazy I'm like okay that makes more sense yeah, well, like, and let, then let him run with his thing let him but, run with it. but know, then like things start yeah. happening and then it builds and it builds and then all of a sudden he's like don't worry the you know Asgard will descend upon okay Thor thank you very much and then in the middle of a big ass battle Rainbow Bridge Heimdall comes down and like oh shit Thor was right 
Um, I think you could, if you're going to do Shier, you do it that way. You have a new mutant show up, and it's like, what's your name? Glibblox or whatever. Gladiator, you know, whoever the Shi'ar Empire is, like, super strong, who's got a power. Okay, he's obviously a little crazy. And then at the end of it, the Shi'ar just fucking lands. And it's like, yeah. well, I guess mutants are not just on Earth. I don't know. Somehow that way. I mean, that's definitely, I mean, it's one of those, it, it's weird. I can see kids growing up these days, and it's like, Okay, we grew up and we had either, you know, the Fox cartoons or the comics, and it was, you know, a large trove of backstory. They're essentially getting the distilled version of it completely relegated to, you know, or distilled down into these feature films. And it's like they're building up to having the the full experience that everyone else had growing up without having mm-hmm. to troll through and i'm talking through you know crazy action moments so yeah <laughs> well, i was gonna say we're actually this uh brian singer actually shoots action really well and that was a little bit of a concern among some it's like yeah i mean usual suspects and apt people were the only movies he had directed before this and uh um, oh, yeah. and both of those are are kind of you know they're talkies you know they're not uh not necessarily known for their superpowered fight scenes, and there was a bit of concern amongst folks about that. But I think he he has a very natural feel for like the pace of these things, and uh, yeah, they're put together well. I, I yeah. would say he got better at shooting the would, action yeah. in the second one. I would certainly. absolutely agree with that. Yeah, um, but but pacing wise, they're put together very well. Okay, I think we're coming up soon, if not here. We are coming up soon on the worst line. Yeah. Yes, uh, here we go. Well, first he line. first he does his, first he does what. People interpret as a little Darth Maul. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, he does, when he flips around the pole. The pole. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And people, you think that was intentional, or you think that was just a thing? I mean, it seems intentional to me. I think. I think a guy like Ray Park can't just, hold a stick for very long without, without twirling it. it. Yeah. I think it's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's. It's a little. It's yeah. Maybe it's a little meta. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if it was. I, I'm. I'm more inclined to think it's just. You know, Ray Park had a stake and twirled it around. Right. As yeah, opposed I mean, to... at the time watching in the theater, I didn't know that was right. Darth Maul, so it didn't pop out at me. Oh, that seems odd and you know out of place. Right. One thing I give a lot of credit to Brian Singer for, uh, and especially in the second movie, is that whenever somebody would be playing Mystique as them, uh-huh. he always did little things for each of those actors to make her character consistent no matter who she was disguised as. My favorite is like in X-Men 2 when she does the slide and then she morphs into Brian Cox and then Brian Cox does like a little wave goodbye. Oh, a little finger <laughs> thing? Yeah, and it's yeah. little touches like that. Like earlier when they're when they're both Wolverine and... She gives him a little smooch a kiss. A little smooch kiss. It's like, but it's, it's, it's obviously, it's just, you know, it's Hugh Jackman doing it, but it's cool how they like make little notes to make the character... Can, like you, you're never confused for too long who Mystique is supposed to be unless, unless, yeah. unless the gag is... Unless you such. have to be. Yeah. Plot-wise. Just like little, just little touches, you know, like when Wolverine slices through her, yeah, essentially her, her fingers, claws. yeah, her and she, the look on her face. Yeah, well, no, she's in pain because he's yeah. cutting into her flesh, like, you know. Yeah, but de- definitely good. Perf- I, I, I was gonna say pretty good performance from Hugh Jackman playing Mystique playing Wolverine. Yeah, right. <laughs> here we go. So, here here comes. we go. Okay, so the history of this line, Joss Whedon wrote this line to be just like, you know, do you know what happens when a frog is struck by lightning? pretty much the same thing that happens with everybody else that's exactly yeah it's like eh, pretty much eh, what happens with everybody uh, yeah. else that's kind of, I, like, kind of a subversion of the idea that it's an epic like beat down line yeah. and really it's just she's gonna hit him with lightning yeah you know? so, getting hit by lightning sucks that's the joke 
uh, but as Joss Whedon says, she delivers it like she's doing a like Medea, like she's yeah. like <laughs> like it's some Greek tragedy. Pretty much the same thing that happens yeah. with everything else. Like it's this big actorly moment when she completely missed the mark. Yeah. I mean, it, I've and you could do it either way. You can have it be very casual and she zaps him, or she, you could have it after he gets zapped and be like, "Yeah, same as everything else," and walk yeah. away. But, but you can clearly—it it needs to be a casual line because, and and like I said, when you know Joss Whedon wrote it and the way he has people deliver right. his lines, right. it's like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, like you, you Anya get, or Cordelia could deliver that line, and you'd yeah. be like, oh yeah, you know, that makes sense. You wonder if it's, and then I think it's almost immediately followed by the best line by an, the other by the second line, which, which uh, you know, to their credit, um, actually, no, hold on, yeah, you know, she's she's dresses Storm now, and right, that's so he's got to because Wolverine can smell good, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got super smell powers. You got to wonder if it's. I mean, let's face it, in this one, Storm does not have that much of a character presence, so it's like. Maybe the uh, Halle Berry was like, no, this is my my time to really show off, so I'm going to just punch it through. Yeah, that probably that that was probably part of it. She's like, this is my line. This is the one like line right. I get to I've really say. I've got one thing to do in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's stupid, <laughs> but I've got one thing. <laughs> I, don't, so yeah, I, I feel for the awkwardness of here's the, the best. Here's folks. the best line. Hugh Jackman gets it. It's the... Uh, prove it, you're a dick. That's the other Joss Whedon line. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then the reaction. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> good enough for me. Yeah, Cyclops actually has a, has a several great moments that they don't really hang on, but they're they're especially with his uh, basically his reactions to Wolverine. Yeah, uh, when he uh, when Wolverine basically gives him the middle claw, yeah. the middle finger at the beginning of this whole sequence. He gives the middle claw to Cyclops, and Cyclops is like, <laughs> "Man, you're a dick." Yeah, there's there's I a hate uh, you. there's a great line. <laughs> I'm in, like amused by how much of a dick you are. Yeah, there's a great line uh, in the first issue of Joss Whedon's Astonishing X Men where Wolverine's been away for a while because at the end of the previous arc, Jean Grey had died again, and um, Scott Summers was basically living with. Um, Emma Frost, the White Queen, who was formerly a villain, and so Wolverine comes back to the mansion, and the opening panel is, you know. Cyclops and the White Queen in bed together and then you just hear an off-panel comment like tell me something bub and it's Wolverine perched on the bedpost at the end of the bed going which stage of the grieving process is this <laughs> like that and then the very next panel is an exterior of the window and Wolverine being fucking blasted out of it <laughs> and like three panels and they he totally got the dynamic yeah. like they love the same woman and they fucking hate each other because of it mm-hmm. and and that's I like I it, I feel I always felt like the movies got like eighty percent of the way there. Like it was just missing something. I felt like I felt like Jean Grey in the movies is a bit too much of a Mary Sue. <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite. I, I, line that's a great line. It's like when uh, Jean Grey is like, you know, Storm, you did the lightning thing, and Magneto's like, <laughs> oh yeah, bolt of lightning light into inside a copper, of a copper conductor. <laughs> I thought you guys lived at a school. <laughs> <laughs> there are other lines in here that I strongly suspect are weed in lines. Probably, and that's one of them. I, but I mean, Hater's a great writer. Yeah, too. he's a good like, writer. Hater's, okay. Hater's a good writer. Like he, he's he's capable of some mirth, you know. Yeah. here and there. So I'd he's like, not completely mirthless. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's not without mirth. So uh, actually, this whole setup on the on the Empire on the Statue of Liberty kind of screams David Hater a little bit. Like this whole set piece. Um, it's a bit on the nose in terms of, you know, the whole symbolism and immigrant yeah. rights and, you know, everything else. Set piece as metaphor. Yeah. There was a while uh, uh, Warren Ellis wrote 
his run of the X-Men, the X-Men were taking up shop. They had taken over uh, Alcatraz in San Francisco, and they'd relocated to San Francisco. And I'm like, you're really pushing this hard now, aren't you? <laughs> like, the, the civil rights era of our time, this is, the, this is where, this is where we, we are. I, I do find it extremely hard to... It, it's difficult for me to swallow. It's like all the leaders of the world ever, ever, anywhere... In one place. ...are sitting just next to each other in a completely open space. Yeah, we got snipers. <laughs> They'll take down missiles if sure. anyone d- decides to There should, to be, there should well, be bombers and fucking... Yeah. Like, we saw the goddamn space shuttle flying overhead. It had two fighter escorts, yeah. you know? like Well, they were fighter planes, but they weren't actual fighters. They weren't equipped as fighter planes. What the point? What was the point, then? They're chase planes. Nah. They just... They're, I wanted to think that they, they keep an eye it, on the damn thing in case yeah. pieces start falling off. In, uh, case, in case the buffer plate falls off. Yeah. Okay. And then they can be like, there it went. <laughs> well, maybe, we the, maybe, maybe the president That of sounds like a good use of my tax dollars. <laughs> Did you see that? Yep. Saw it. <laughs> I will say this. this is you kind get of a, the next one. This is kind <laughs> of a trope in a, not just X-Men, but a lot of like comic books. Is like, I'll stab myself to free myself. Shatterstar famously does that in an issue of X-Force and, you know. So yeah, here's the the subversion, like you said. Yep. You would think that something something to do with Wolverine is like, no, fuck off. I'm gonna pin you down with everyone else. <laughs> and it was, and- I gotta say, it's a clever way to get the white streak of hair in. That's yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's true. No reason really, but why not? Good time as any. It's so a, it's a little moment everyone's waiting for. It's like she's not rogue. She's supposed she's to have the white yet. streak, and then she has it. It's like, oh, okay, now she's rogue. Wolverine seems to punch a lot of people in the stomach with the claws or the chest mm-hmm. and they don't ever seem to die <laughs> like that seems you, like you think a, he'd be a, into face stabbing at some point yeah. Yeah. well yeah. yeah i mean that well, too but i would also think like mystique gets punched with claws yeah. in the chest lays there for at least a couple hours right and and lives and lives she, and you know, no, actually, no one leaves a mark like you baby yeah. as she says we're about to, we're yeah. about to come up on the uh on the one kind of bit I think this is it, in fact. Oh, the, with uh, the, the, the one, like, 360 The shot? super, like, 360, yeah, yeah digital yeah. shot. That's the one bit that I don't like. And people were doing that for a little while. They did stuff like that in iRobot. And- what, was funny, oh, yeah. what was funny is that they premiered that shot at Comic-Con one year, or at something one year. Here we go. The, this is the first clip that made it online. And they're like, oh, it's an early effect shot. Uh-huh. But this will give you an idea. And the overall mentality was like, shit, for an early effect shot, that's awesome. Yeah. But they never cleaned it up. Like, they, yeah. never, they never really finished yeah. it. Like, it, it was that. It, was, it wasn't any better than that, you know? It, it just feels like early wire, wire work with the momentum just not translating. I, right? I, I don't know if it was wire work or digital, but it feels very digital to me. But it, it's, it's one of the... It, it I mean, other, digital, otherwise, yeah. the, the effects... Are throughout the the film. I mean, we we brought him up when he first did the uh, the little mutant thing. The effects are still, for the most part, quite good. Oh yeah. Oh um, definitely. Like there was the uh, the shot where uh, you know the slow mo shot of Mystique turning from Wolverine back into herself in like mid air kick, and that was actually very impressively done. And the uh, the so. morph sequence where she kind of does the 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 Terminator two yeah. thing where she can't control her shape shifting, and she's flailing. Yeah, because she's fake dying. <laughs> and so this apparently is the machine from Contacts. Yeah. <laughs> or the uh, the portal to hell generator in Event Horizon. 
<laughs> yeah, which is it? Really important to figure that out <laughs> before we start fucking with it. <laughs> Anytime I see a giant, you know, multi-concentric circle yeah. ring thing, I'm going to be a little bit cautious. And I really course, would love some sci-fi piece of wizardry to just be like shoebox or I don't know, <laughs> yeah. like like here's the ultimate destructo device that if you put your hand on Pluto dies or I don't know something like, and it's just it's just a box. Oh yeah, like you know. Some wires. Is there a safety on it? There's a little cover. Yeah, oh. a little plastic cover, switch. Uh, Is there a key even? No, I mean, there's a great book. It runs on AAAs. There's a great book yeah. I, I have that I haven't read yet by um, Terry Pratchett. It got great reviews. And the whole concept was that there was just this company that put out this, it open sourced the plans for this random device that was mm. like a potato and a couple wires and things. And it said, you know, and it has two buttons that you could do in like cardboard or whatever. And it would literally transport you to a parallel world. That's, and he opened, and you know, it's open source, so everyone's playing with it. And it's like, okay, that's kind of a cool concept. I got, I got to say what nod this is really quickly. Uh, this is a nod to the what is commonly called the Cannonball Special, uh, and, or is it the Fastball Special? Fastball, Fastball Special. special. In the comics, whenever Wolverine has to fuck something up really quick, Colossus grabs him by the scruff of his neck and just fucking chucks him. <laughs> and it's it's a quite and Wolverine flies and slices and whatever. They didn't have Colossus, they had Storm, so Storm just with winds got him up there. But that was like the closest thing we got to a and there's the other thing. They did, if you they, they did kill, the next three as well. They did an extra, yeah. yeah. But if, if you gotta kill since we're gonna kill, pretend no. If you ask someone to kill Magneto, why, why the metal guy? Yeah. yeah, They've proven at least twice that he's specifically the person not yes. to right. send. Right. He's the last person. And there's, there's the, the hair. The thing that I love about the X-Men as a, as a group and as a story is that it's such a... it's. I, like you were saying earlier about you know, uh, Superman and Superman Returns, it's the story of the guy who lifts things. It's like, well, really, that's that's Superman most of the time. You know, yeah. Sure, maybe that's, that's more a problem it's a greater problem Superman returns than other elsewise but that's mostly what superman does the great thing about the x-men is like they each have it's always a puzzle and they yeah. each have one piece of the puzzle and it's always a matter of like okay we're gonna put storm storm will do this specific thing and they all come together and it and all kind of, yeah, yeah. And storm well, is this piece and cyclops is this piece and it all comes together to create uh, the scenario. There's that one comic strip. I think it was. I think it was PVP or maybe it was Penny Arcade. But uh, and Trey actually linked to it in the forums once, which is uh, it was basically a meeting of the Justice League. And oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have a problem. And Superman's like, Hey, I have an idea. How about I fly over and melt it with my face? Melt his face with my. I'll throw face. it in the sun. I think. Yeah, so I'll yeah. throw it in the sun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, Green Lantern's like, well, I could make a protective shield. It's like, no, nah, throw him in the sun. You know, it's like, well, one was like, I fly my invisible jet over and mm, throw him in the sun. Like it's. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's a problem with Superman. Yeah. You can't, yeah. There, there's very little he can't do. He's susceptible to kryptonite and magic. There's like 10% of the DC universe that's magical, magic-based. And then kryptonite, eh, whoever gets a rock, but usually that's why you have... And that's the thing. In the comic, they say, well, what if they have kryptonite? He's like, I'll let one of you guys move the kryptonite, and then I'll throw him in the sun. <laughs> yeah. There's a funny and sketch about that his... I do on Mitchell and Webb all the time where it's, I do. Uh, it's God and a BMX guy as a crime-fighting team. It's <laughs> 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 the same sort of well, that, that was just the joke. Vision and Jack. I mean, that's, you know, that was the joke on this week's uh, Thirty Rock. Was the the new show was a, a cop show, buddy cop show with God was was this one of the cops. The cops. <laughs> nice. And so it was like, wait. So the lesson that I learned at the end of this is like, what? How could you learn a lesson? You're God. <laughs> <laughs> and like, we don't know who did this. How do you not know? You're God. <laughs> that's some really. Uh, the cuts always appeared bad to me. Was yeah, little rip, ruptures in the skin there. They're a little too bright and too, but phosphorus. No, they like, look okay. 
They look like they look makeup. Like jellyfish and red tide. No. I gotta say, for being essentially a let's try this and see what happens movie, yeah. the amount of fan service that they managed to fit in organically was mm-hmm. actually quite impressive. It, well, yeah, I mean, he was very, Brian Singer was very knowledgeable of the source material, so yeah. he always found ways to leverage in little bits. You know, similar yeah. to David Hayter and Joss, Joss Whedon, especially. You can't fucking. But Joss, I, Joss Whedon, what Joss Whedon does in his, and I really hope he gets to like make an X Men movie one day. It's probably, why do that when he has the Avengers? Yeah. But, and what he certainly does in the Avengers movie is he he thinks aloud in a very fanboyish way, which is like, well, if they have that power, wouldn't they then do this? You know, and astonishing X Men, Kitty Pride, Shadowcat, who can phase through objects. She has a romantic interest with Colossus. Colossus returns. The opening of one issue, it's the lobby or it's the bottom floor of the school, and it's just a kid there. And then all of a sudden, behind him, you see a naked Kitty Pride fall through the floor and hit the ground. And then she stands up, covering parts. Like, oh my god, I'm sorry. She runs back upstairs. She opens the door to her room, and Colossus is in there naked. He's like, "What happened?" She's like, "I don't know. That's never happened before." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Does it always when you?" She's like, "I don't know." Like, you know, what happens if Colossus turns? Right. That's that. That's the more disturbing question. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's not think about these things. Well, that was it. And that was and that, that, that's, that's in the whole like uh, Mallrats scene where he's like, right. Lois, you know, Wonder Woman is the only one who could accept yeah. Superman's sperm. You know, it's the it whole rip through her. What's the know? article? It's a Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. I think was the article that always <laughs> went around. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, he's okay. His for, powers came back for yeah. what it is. They did a really good job with this. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. It was weird seeing Famke Jansen as like a good person in this because I was first introduced to her as Zena on top and Goldeneye, and she was just this psychotic fetish assassin, which was great. Uh, It's a a Bond movie. I didn't necessarily. Yeah, I didn't necessarily. (laughs) She's one of the great Bond girls. She totally is. Yeah, sort it kills people with her legs. Great, awesome. I support all this. Uh, But seeing her such as like a goody good as Jean Grey was sort of. It was type against cast, I guess, or cast against type. Well, she's in an episode of Star Trek. Did you know that? I'm not surprised. Like, (laughs) she's actually Patrick Stewart's love interest in that episode. Of course, she is the perfect mate. If you're curious, the perfect mate season two, four, five. No, I was going to say four, but that's just a guess. I want to say four. Nerds. All right. Oh, whatever. Just kidding. Not really, but I can't really talk. <laughs> All I'm saying is I can't talk. Well, you know a lot. You know a lot about uh, Harry, Rob, and Hermione. Yes, so. I do. Hermione. I texted you by the way. I'll show you. Have you ever, have you ever heard of Alley? I'm not sure. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to I'm get sure. to I, you. I, I, heard, I work right by there now, ah, and yeah. so every day I pass it on the way to to, to get food, and I'm like. I want to go in. I just looked at their website. I've never been it's, there. It's huge. Oh, is it's it? Yeah. Absolutely huge. I've, I've driven by it a couple times, and I had some friends go. They have character breakfasts and And they posted Facebook okay. pictures. I don't, I don't and it's like, there's like levels to this thing. They have Potter murder mysteries. Like, I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, it's ridiculous. I I love Harry Potter, but I don't know if I can deal. Right, right. I <laughs> I, I unabashedly love the uh, Marvel restaurant that was in Universal City Walk during the mid nineties. Mm. Uh, the Fantastic mm. Four cheese pizza, <laughs> the Hulk burger, oh. like all of it was great. The Falcon burger, which thank God Falcon got a thing, but you know. So I gotta say, I was I was checking IMDb just to be sure. I was gonna say, oh, that actor's in Warehouse Thirteen now. No, it's his brother. 
Map. It, it's weird. Oh, it's like, nice. okay. The Iceman? Uh, yeah. The Iceman. <laughs> they trade off. The Iceman. They trade off. They're like, you got the last one, so you, I'll, go, I'll go in for this one. I got to say, speaking of nerds and next generation to tie it all together, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend, the one I met who, who worked at Comic-Con, like I met her at Comic-Con because she was an employee, and... Uh, and we started dating. It was a long distance thing. And she also worked during the day. She worked at a Barnes and Noble. And uh, I drove. Da- I would drive down on the weekends. I drove down. She's like, I got something for you. And I'm like, What'd you get? She's like, It's it's the nerdiest thing I've ever gotten anybody. I'm like, All right. And it was a novel. And it was X Men meet Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. There's there's a comic, and it's like this is I... a novel. This is a book. Oh, book. an actual. This is a book book. Wow. Well, you know, yeah. if Fifty and... Shades of Grey could do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. There was the obligatory, you know, Professor X card joke right like you look familiar you know uh but yeah i mean they straight you know wolverine likes the klingons and it's i mean it's fucking nuts i don't think i could do that yeah i I, like it went unread on my bookshelf for a long time just (laughs) because i couldn't bring myself to read the thing it's one of those it's it's that classic the fans are either saying what would happen if this is versus this or let's have them meet up and be friends and yay it's one or the other Yeah, exactly. Where's the, the guy that can control plastic? That seems like a useful <laughs> skill. Plastic-based stuff. Oil Man. He's a yeah. Eastern... <laughs> Dead uh, dinosaur dude. Magneto at the end of X3 for some reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah really? He gets, he gets like uber I don't powerful. I remember yeah, the end of that movie. Yeah, they play chess, and then Professor X walks away, and then Magneto like stares at the plastic chess, and one of the pieces moves, and then it smash cuts to the credits. Oh. Or no, Professor X is already dead, so someone else. He's yeah. playing chess on his own, or he plays chess with someone else. But well, spoiler. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> hey, yeah. that's six years old now. I was gonna say. How Here's many the problem years? with the X Men. Any X Men that's ever been killed can and will come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it, it's it's just a matter of, of time, which is I think has really hurt. The comics over. The, I mean, not in terms of sales; they still do yeah. very well. But. Well, uh, Marvel came out with what they're going to kill off a character every quarter. Was just, their newest thing? They just they killed, just they killed, just killed Professor X. Yeah, yeah he's again, dead again, again. See, it's not a spoiler. It's, it happens it's, every month. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, they, they literally they came out with a press. Uh, they released a press release to the newspapers the day before it uh, it was out on the stands. And it's like, guys, really? No, you're yeah. trying to get press in the wrong way. Well, they did, do they've done that before. They did that with, you know, well, we're going to kill Superman, guys, for realsies. And then they did. Well, it's like, yeah. we're going to fuck up Batman, oh, you guys, for realsies. And then they did. And then they killed Batman. And then Batman yeah. was actually just thrown into the distant path. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to say, I'm really enjoying what's been done with um, the independent books like uh, the Mike Mignola's Hellboy and BPRD yeah. and Atomic Robo. Because what they're doing is essentially, instead of the long, just perpetually serialized stuff they do uh bprd which is the spinoff of hellboy you know yeah. it they basically do all right this is a four issue story mm-hmm. yeah and it technically ties into the overall story arc but it's its title is a self-contained story right. and this is right. all it is well, I, I, think, I mean there's i think the future of comics is going to sort of move away from the 22 22- page issue a month thing it's going in that direction now i mean i i, I comic-con i showed brian uh boilerplate which jj abrams mm. is turning into a movie and it's not a comic book it's an alternative history book in the sense that it's about this character named boilerplate who's an automaton made in the steampunk era and boilerplate has always been there throughout history he fought in the spanish-american <laughs> war he fought uh, he's with Teddy Roosevelt. i was just gonna say he's... <laughs> he boxed a grizzly he fought in world war ii and well, like it's written as a history book with just photo like really well done photo Photoshop photos of boilerplate oh, all cool. throughout history and then just text this detailed rich history of boilerplate and jj abrams is adapting that so very you know, cool and that's the that's x-men everybody 
I liked it. Seth? <laughs> <laughs> Very concise. Um, no, I mean, I didn't pipe in at the beginning, but I definitely have always enjoyed this movie. I'm not as much of a fan of where... The, I liked to, but not as much of a fan as where the series went after that. But this one definitely, I, I agree, sparked that resurgence of movies based around comic books for good or ill. Um, and I think it holds up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, granted, it's not that old, but you know, yeah. it, it, it came out in that time where effects were either nailed or, wow, they really look dated. And this one rides that line pretty well. Yeah, I and mean, the story works. Yeah. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. So, Ryan? <laughs> I, I'm really happy with this because, like I said, X-Men are, are my are my thing as far as this arena goes and I'm really glad that this was done right and it was done really as as best it could possibly the best it could possibly be mm-hmm. and in turn became the spawn of of um the kind of a similar style going down the line if if Sam Raimi had done the X-Men movies I would be a very sad person <laughs> So I'm glad that Brian Zinger did them. I just learned that Seth is very tall. Uh, Dorkman. Yes. Um, kind of sucked, right? Eh, you know, no. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a it's a good movie. I mean, uh, you know, it, it came right. It, it came out in 2000, so it was right on the cusp of like 99. 2000 was right when computers were really starting to come to the point where it's like we'll just do everything that way you know um so there's a little bit of that here but not too much and maybe the f- some of the effects feel a little dated but for the most part i think they hold up just fine i was off mic but the thing that he has that does the city on the little table uh-huh fucking awesome yeah that's yeah. great <laughs> super cool um and uh, oh we forgot to call out the uh the david haters cameo it's when he when it when it pushes in on the cops who find like the body and like oh, hey this yeah. one's still breathing and it's Mystique that one that's David Hayter okay all right so um, anyway I that's like twenty voice. minutes late but uh, you know you can rewind it and see him but uh, I uh, like as we said at the beginning I think it's great it kind of kicked off the whole sort of renaissance of for good or ill of uh, comic book movies and and tent poles like you said. Um, and I think it really shows, you know, uh, Seth was saying for for what it is and all of that, it's pretty good. But I think it really clearly shows the fingerprints of people who cared. They weren't just showing up and going, yeah, X-Men, you know, like like it would be easy to do with any comic book thing. And like, you know, uh, movies based on video games tend to suffer from people show up and they go, well, it's based on a video game. No one's expecting anything, so fuck it. We'll just do whatever. Right. And, and they do, and then v- video game yeah, movies suck. self-perpetuating. They, it, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they could easily have done that with this. It's a comic book movie. No one's going to... But they approached it... You know, I think he may have even said this, or I may be making this up, or someone said it about something else, but he approached it... He approached X-Men like you would approach shakespeare or a serious like a serious book that you were going to adapt mm-hmm. and it's like this is we're going to make a movie and we're going to take it seriously and we're going to respect the material and this is a movie that really shows that which you have to do no matter regardless of what it is you have to respect the material mm-hmm. and if you don't respect the material then you shouldn't be yeah, on the project I, and of, uh, of course that the the weird uh you know the the dissonance of that is sometimes respecting the material involves discarding parts of it right because they're you have to it's you like still have to find to, the movie it's like you're trying to set up your friend with someone else that you know and you're just giving like okay you're gonna love her she is this yeah. you don't need to give her or give him 
her whole life story. Yeah. But sometimes she's, now, she's really cool. She's very funny. She she likes My Little Pony. Yeah. Sometimes you need to make changes. That's all you, need to know. you just have to find you cuz you have to find the movie in it, but it's all in service of you know, having the respect to, for the material to want to make the best possible movie. And sometimes things that work in one medium don't work in another and you have to, you know, mm-hmm. be we care enough to to know the difference. Eddie, mm-hmm. you work on all mediums. Uh, no. <laughs> Are there other mediums that you don't work well in? Eddie, you tweeted... I've never seen him make a meat sculpture. I'll just put yeah, that out there. Uh, and, and nor shall you. Nor shall Eddie, uh, 33 I'm minutes ago, you tweeted the letter U. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let you know. But... Well, you know, that that's a poem. And really, <laughs> what do you think? Are there replies to it? <laughs> Not yet. No. Uh, uh, that is called uh, reaching for my keys, and, and the letter U <laughs> was tweeting. Siri, I once accidentally tweeted from my pocket the letter I, and I was like, I think my butt has just become self-aware. <laughs> I am. It just yeah, it just came to to a sense of of self. It got all anyway. Eddie, for a while, you, uh, my butt was big enough to become self-aware. How do you feel yeah. about the feature film here? No, I, I it's it's it is not. A perfect film. It's not. The, it, it's not the best X Men movie. I think X Men Two is better in a lot of ways. But it's a very good movie, and it stands yeah. on its own. And it's. I, I've, it was the first movie that basically said to the world, "Hey, world, I am from a comic book, and I am just as. I'm not super retarded. I'm not super. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I have every right to be here as the rest of you, especially in the year 2000. Like we're coming off of, of 99, which was the awesome year, and year 2000 was not off to a great start in terms of movies. Uh, and this is the first one to be like, "Fuck y'all." And um, and here I am, and and it like twelve I said, years I later. I am movie. Hear me roar. Yeah, and it. I mean, like I said, there is a visible line of demarcation between before X Men and after X Men in terms of comic book movies, and the landscape has been changed for you know the better part of ten, twelve years because of it. You can draw a direct line uh, from now to then. Avengers wouldn't have happened if not for this. Um, Spider Man's would not have happened without this. Well, you uh, know. You- not every cloud can have a... No, there's, <laughs> totally there's, there's a dark line in this. Yeah. Blade 2, which I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite. I think favorite. Blade 2 Blade is, is the best of series. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's just so much fun. And uh, one of the better Del Toro movies, I think. And, and uh, Del Toro directed Blade 2? Yeah. Del Toro, yeah. Fuck yeah. And, and you can tell when you look at the design of the, the vagina vampires, like they're... Well, yeah. I'm sold. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, every, everything good that's come about from, I mean, from comic books since then, including American Splendor and Ghost World and things like that. I think Ghost World was the same year as this. Um, it's uh, it, it, You can draw back to this line and, and to this film. And as oh, Corey Yen. I didn't know he... Oh, yeah, fight card. Okay, fight. they you know they right. kind of felt that way. They uh-huh. kind of they're they're. It's not surprising to hear that or to see that. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun, uh, and we owe a lot to it. And uh, you know, it saved Marvel. So yay. This has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash Down in Front. Facebook Down in Front Show. Email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Go to the forum. Subscribe and log stuff in the conversation. They are quite sexy. Stroke them. <laughs> Holden Hill, designed to maintain the website. Buy our shirts. Give us money. Uh, for Seth Brower, myself, T. Christie. Ryan Finifter. What just happened? I don't know. <laughs> Same as everything that happens to everything else. <laughs> this has been Down in Front. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night. Mind blown. friendsinyourhead.com